In their ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later, the Homestar Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by DD.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeVagere with Kirkham & Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 149. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Uh, Joey, welcome back. Yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, no new announcements, or is there? I have some things to share. I don't know if I have any announcements. I have an announcement. Oh, that's right. You have an announcement. I do have an announcement. Pete? Moving on. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I think I mentioned this. I think Mark, listener M, knows about this, but nobody else does yet. I am the proud father of a brand new iPad Mini. Yay, Pete. Look. That's nice. Yeah. I won it uh, by dressing up for my work's holiday um, Halloween Christmas party. To be fair, someone else made your costume. I did nothing but put the thing on. (laughs) I show up to work, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Wait, where are your legs? Uh, because it was like a... You should uh, post the photo. Yeah, I, we we should do that. Um, it, it was a, a costume that uh, plays with your eyes. It's a, you know, it's one of those M.C. Escher kind of things. Where it's like, wait, what? Where does that begin and the thing end? And Anyway, it was really cool. And so I was totally not expecting this, but they were handing out the, the prizes and like they gave a bag full of like real candy bars not the fun size stuff but like a real like a solid candy bar nice like a bag full of it to third prize and i was like oh well that's pretty neat second prize won same a bag of candy bars and then a little docking station for an ipod or an mp3 device for speakers okay and then first prize they said peter nash i was (laughs) like what serious so i gave up and they hand me again Another bag of, you know, full candy bars. And you win an iPad mini. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you. (laughs) And so I won an iPad mini. There you go. I mean, honestly, all of the uh, Halloween contests I've ever been in, sort of like, hey, you win a, a dollar DVD from the Walmart bin kind of thing. <laughs> and I really was not expecting or knew that I was going to be getting an iPad mini, but I did. Yeah, you. And it's awesome, and I love it. And so, so let me ask you, what's better, the iPad mini or the sensation of winning? Um, The iPad mini. Okay. Because the, the sensation of winning, like, I was in that awkward feeling of, 
okay, I've only uh, been here for two weeks now, and I've just won a coveted prize. Okay. And everybody else is like, wait, who's the new guy? <laughs> who's that? Um, so I had that feeling of, uh, crap, everyone's looking at me, I'm nervous, um, because that's what you and I are. We're, we're not, yes. unless we're, we are we're the around introverts. people, then you know we don't want to make a big scene yeah. with ourselves. So I would say definitely the iPad. Me. I remember the first time I ever won first prize at something it was when I was a, a kid and I went to a, uh, a, they were doing, they called it a talent show, but really it was a lip sync contest or a, a uh, I would say a music video reenactment contest. <laughs> it's really what it turned out wow. to be. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I remember my little brother Matt. Uh, he he and his friends got up and they were doing the the crisscross rap song, but none of, the, it, none no, of them knew no. the words, and so they just chewed bubble gum. <laughs> It's like it's pretty rapid, sure, yeah, moving. Moving the mouth, yeah, I get it, yeah. But uh, I remember they they gave an award out to everyone who participated. Like they came up with like most creative costume, oh, and brother. like they had something for everyone, right? And then they get into the third place and the second place. And I turned to my friend that I did uh, that I did ours with, and I was like, "What? What a ripoff! We didn't get anything." <laughs> We're the only ones, and then they said, first prize is Joey Smith and his friend Clark for go on Aladdin and Jasmine, a whole new world, <laughs> <laughs> and I was Jasmine. <laughs> How have I not heard this story before? And I was wearing uh, fake ceramic boobs that one of my friend's brothers had made in, in pottery class. Oh, they were realistic shape and size and uh, had nipples. And <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that, that's great. That's really just great. It was pretty funny. I'm like, how did that win first prize? So were you like super nervous about, you know, winning and whatnot? Oh yeah. Like I, I was mortified. I was like, I hope I never win anything ever again. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. And Joey has never tried to take first prize in anything <laughs> the rest of his life. Oh man. That's, that's a good story. That's a really good story. Um, okay. Uh, no announcements from you. You didn't have anything no, you wanted to share. I, I just mention. had a, a random kind of okay. story that I wanted to share. All right. Uh, my wife went to see the the five-movie Twilight Marathon ah, a yesterday. Ah, hard. Yes, apparently. my wife is a Twihard. I didn't know that was a thing, but I, I saw some posts on Facebook. Now you know. Like, yeah, hard. <laughs> anyway, she, uh, so yesterday she was out watching the movie, and that meant I got to go get the kids from school and, and take them to their, you know, uh, work. We're home for the day routine and things like that. Oh, I like the way you said that, by the way. You got to go get them. Not, oh, yeah. I enjoyed I it. I had to no, no, go no. get them. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I, I had a good time. point that out to the listeners. Okay. You know, you should get credit for that, for being a good dad. And uh, my daughter came in, and she, ha- she has a piece of homework that they gave her a page, front and back, of prompts that she has to write three sentences on, at least three sentences on. And she, she so she came to me, Dad, will you pick one of these prompts and tell me... Which one to write? And she was really kind of being mopey and, and not excited about this this homework that she had to do, even though she'd clearly done it several times before because I can see all the things crossed off. Um, 
but she she didn't seem like she was very enthusiastic about it. And I said, hey, I tell you what, I'll pick the prompt, and then you and I both write on the prompt, and then we'll share our stories with each other. Oh. And and she she seemed excited, but she thought that seemed like a fun thing to her. Okay. So the prompt that I picked was, if I could travel back in time. And so I wrote three paragraphs of a short story. Like I sat there for a second while she was started writing her sentences out, and I came up with a short story about a kid named Carter. <laughs> and he had a, a hat that allowed him to travel back in time. He could put it on his head and focus on the particular time that he wanted to rewind to, and relive any part of his life and and change it while he was there, of course. Um, and so I started to write about the the side effect of putting on the hat was that you start to get time confused. You can't remember when and where you are and wh- which events actually happened and which ones didn't. I got about three paragraphs of this short story written before Beth finished her three sentences and looked up and said, okay, I'm done, Daddy. I'm like, well, I'm not done. She's like, well, let's just share what we have. I said, okay. So she read her three sentences and it was like, I would go back and see myself when I was a baby. I would see my mom when she was a baby and my dad when he was a baby. I said, okay, that's good. And so I I shared my three paragraphs with my daughter and she was blown away, just absolutely fascinated. She's like, so who's Carter? I said, I I just made him up. (laughs) She's like, it's not you? I said, do you think I have a magic hat that lets me travel in time? <laughs> so no, it's just, you know, I, I, and, and so we talked about why, you know, I said, Oh, did you notice in here? He's how he's get, keeps getting time confused. Well, that's because every time he puts the hat on, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a side effect. There's a downside to using the hat. Well, why does there have to be a downside? Why can't it just be a magic hat that lets him do anything he wants? <laughs> so we, we spent, we spent about an hour sitting there and talking about writing stories. And, you know, it was like, well, you know, you have to have conflict. You can't just. And the consequences of time travel. Well, and, and what I ended up doing is I, I got around to telling her where the story was going, which was, the whole the whole point of the story was going to be uh, so he was going to have to give up the magic hat for a friend who something really bad and scary happened to her. I was probably going to go with her parents died in a car wreck, but I hadn't really decided yet. <laughs> but you know, it was th- did this, you tell that to Beth? Yes, I did. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I this was a little morality play I was writing for my daughter because one of the things I struggle with with my daughter is lying and telling her. I've told her many many times, and she still doesn't totally believe me. I don't think, which is. If you make a mistake, I will always be more mad at you for lying to me and I find out about the mistake uh-huh. than if you would just come to me and say, you know what, Dad, I made a mistake. Will you please help me fix it? And I said, you come to me with, you come to me saying that, I will always help you fix it. I don't care how bad it is, how bad you think it's going to be, how bad you think I'm going to react. I promise you, if I have to leave the room for a second to do it, I will always give you a calm reaction. And say, okay, now how can we fix this? I don't know. The calm ones scare me sometimes. The calm reactions like, <laughs> oh, he's leaving the room. Oh, isn't that where we keep the shotgun at? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the, 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 he was going to have to give up the hat to help his friend who needed it more than he did at that point. And then the next thing that was going to happen was he was going to make, cause the, the, I had gotten to the part where he talks about how he uses the hat anytime he makes a gigantic mistake with capital letters. And he was going to make one of his gigantic mistakes and go to reach for the hat and realize, oh, the hat's not going to be there. Right. I just have to learn how to deal with this now. 
Yeah. And so that's where I was trying to get the story around too. So it could be a little morality play for my daughter. Um, didn't get to finish the story, but we did talk through the, you know, consequences and story writing and conflict. And we talked about a lot of different things there that came out of just me trying to tell my daughter, Hey, look, you know what? This doesn't have to be such a bad thing. Like having a chance to sit down and write a story can actually kind of be fun if you go into it with the right mental attitude. Yeah, that's great. That's really, that's really, really good. Uh, follow up question regarding Carter. Okay. Um, did he have a hat that would bring him back forward in time? No. So he would have to live out that, the, the, the set of sequences again. Okay. And he could jump back as many times as he wanted to. And that's why in my, you know, in my, in my universe, that's why he was getting so confused because he would live out one version of the story, go back, fix the mistake and have to live out both versions of the story. But he remembered both versions. He's got memories of both. And he did done it so much and used the thing so heavily by the point that the story even starts that he had lost the ability to really keep track of when and where he was and which version of events he was living out at that point. Right. Right. Um, also, is Carter really that big of an idiot that he's constantly making that many mistakes in his life? Well, so like the, the I just, I'm concerned that Carter is making some, you know, some <laughs> poor choices and that uh, you know, no matter how many times he goes back, he's going to continue making them. I, I I see your point, but really because the point of the story was Hey, come and talk to me when you make a mistake and I'll help you fix it. There is no magic hat that's going to get you out of this. Yeah, how did he get the magic hat? Actually, if I'd gotten that far, the, the concept that I had was that the, the friend Susan, or Sarah, that he'd given the hat to, when they were adults, she would travel back to when he was a kid and give him the hat. Oh, so it's a closed loop. It's a closed loop. Hmm. Interesting. So the hat never ever existed. It was never created, but it always existed. All right. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff for everyone. Um, okay. We've got some emails. Okay. I think I'll uh, open them up on my iPad mini. <laughs> uh, ah, yes. Here they are. Okay. First one. Um, well, how... Look, I, I I need to do this, but I want to first start off by saying I'm really, really grateful for all of the help you gave me today. Like, I know I told you that at work. Um, and one of the things you did was you sent out the email. Okay. But you did it wrong again. <laughs> do you know that you did it wrong again? I and don't. did you purposefully do it wrong no. just so I could have an opportunity what to did tell I do you wrong? you did it wrong? Uh, subject line. Podcast 148. Oh, jeez. Are we redoing it? I just didn't. I, I know it was long, like two and a half hours. It was a long podcast. I typoed it, and I just didn't I didn't stop to read my own. I, was, I thought you genuinely nope, were like no, no. trying to do something I was wrong. so focused on making sure I got a subject line in there this time that I didn't even look at what I typed. Uh, Oh man, uh, your uh, your third bullet point was was pretty good, by the way. Um, I didn't uh, forget the subject line this time, <laughs> which no, you didn't. I didn't. You right? just got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had uh, uh, another one after that. Uh, credit where it's due. JD made the Facebook crew. <laughs> and then another one after that. I'm very unhappy with the reveal. Um, very unhappy. We'll we'll get to that. Yes. Um. Anyway, JD responded 
with okay. that's better. Ha 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 JD. Uh glad you're still out there, JD. We love you. Uh, See now you have to carry it forward just like that though. <laughs> that was what I was going for. Now I have to come up with two more things. No, no, no. But you always you always have to have the the dagger in there, and the dagger references the Facebook page, and JD created it. Okay, all right. We'll use that as the new resource. <laughs> okay, um, listener fishhead. Okay, uh, my old buddy Dean from uh, back in uh, the the good old I, days. I four days. Um, <laughs> he wrote in a pretty lengthy email that talks about. Battlestar Galactica, but not this. And it's like in general, like some of the producer stuff okay. and whatnot. So I'm going to do this at the beginning, okay. at the end, because it's not specific to this episode. Before you get into that, I, I do want to ask. While we're talking in general about the series, um, I've heard that there is a podcast out there with, with Ron Ronald Moore. Moore. Yeah, uh, and he's and he was the one that put it out. Is that worth listening to? Or am I going to spoil the the fun of our listeners hearing me? Not be spoiled. My friend John Madsen can comment on that better. Okay. I would. Say I actually stay was. Away from I, I was putting it out there for all the listeners. You know, I, I, what do the listeners oh. want to see happen here? Would they like me to listen to the podcast? I know. Would where, they like me to go go into it completely blind? Right. Um. I. Uh, my vote is don't listen to okay. it. Right. Um. You know, continue to be surprised because I've never heard what he does on those, so I don't know if he spoil something gotcha. and gives it away and like oh yeah and you'll see in five more episodes where this <laughs> totally comes unraveled okay you know and and that would be bad well and that's why i i've made the gone ahead and made the decision to stay away from the web series that yeah. fish had linked to yeah just don't want to you know i i think it will be more entertaining for our listeners it to will. watch me suffer yes, <laughs> or will. at least listen to me suffer uh, you, you nailed it on the head everyone will enjoy that uh okay so he says pete joey and my fellow Trekwest Five Ovians. <laughs> because it doesn't feel like it has been that long since I watched Battlestar Galactica and Caprica, I decided to not try to keep up with the episode rewatch from week to week. Instead, over the past several weeks, I have been rewatching the original series, okay. both the 1978 and 1980 episodes. I will share some ob- observations about these later. A few trivial notes related to the miniseries. Glenn Larson was involved with a ton of TV in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. If his name doesn't ring a bell, you will more than likely remember at least one of his big TV hits, such as The Six Million Dollar Man, Quincy M.E., one of my uh, mother's favorite shows, uh, B.J. and the Bear, The Fall Guy, Magnum P.I. and Knight Rider. Okay, off that list, just saying, uh my favorite, The Fall Guy. I love The Fall Guy, too. It was one of my favorite shows growing up. I enjoyed it, yeah. And not just because of uh, Heather, Heather, a very young Heather Locklear. (laughs) Although, now I look back and think, wow, awesome. Didn't even know how good you had it. I saw her in a bikini way back then. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he also did westerns, military shows, and a bunch of one, two season sci-fi shows like Battlestar Galactica, Galactica 1980, uh, Automon, Manimal, um, oh, sorry, uh, probably Auto Man. Okay. Manimal, Nightman, and Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Mm. Larson borrowed liberally, sometimes 
too literally from other shows. In fact, Harlan Ellison called him Glenn Larceny. <laughs> Sounds like something Harlan Ellison would say. <laughs> the premise behind BJ and the Bear was very similar to the movie Every Which Way But Loose. And his western alias Smith and Jones bears several resemblances to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. When Battlestar Galactica came out, lawsuits and counter-lawsuits ensued between Universal and 20th Century Fox regarding similarities between Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars, which came to nothing. Besides the Vipers and X-Wings look similar, and the Cylon Stormtroopers both being faceless enemies, I never thought the two were much alike in story, etc., and never understood the lawsuits. Larson is listed as consulting producer for the BSG reboot, as well as Caprica, but he wasn't involved in any way. He lost the TV rights to the shows he produced with Universal Studios in a lawsuit, but he did retain the film rights to at least Battlestar Galactica, so he may be involved in some way with the announced movie version Brian Singer is doing. Hmm. Lastly, Larson co-wrote the original BSG theme, which the reboot used as the colonial anthem in a few episodes. The music for the miniseries was done by Richard Gibbs. Bear McCreary didn't take over until the series. I am sure all of you remember Richard Gibbs as the one-time member of Oingo Boingo. I'm not sure... Uh, uh, if you're not sure who Oingo Boingo was... <laughs> At least everyone is familiar with work done by another Boingo alumni, the frontman, Danny Elfman. Absolutely. Until next time, when I get around to finishing my rewatch of the original two series and I organize more thoughts. Um, awesome. Yeah, thanks very much, Fishhead. That was great. You know what? This is my favorite story about Oingo Boingo. Is I saw an interview once with Danny Elfman shortly after the band had broken up. And the, the person interviewing... Danny said, well, you know, why did you guys break up? You were really hitting your creative stride as a band in your last few albums there. And he made a comment, and I'll probably get some of the details wrong, but the sense of the comment was something along the lines of, well, for the first three years we were a band, we were called Oingo Boingo. For the second three years we were a band, we were called Boingo. We have to break up at this point because Go is just a stupid name for a band. <laughs> it's like that's such a Danny Elfman answer to that question. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, Richard Gibbs is he uh, related to the other Gibbs brothers? I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, Joe it Gibbs. Was, it was the uh... Joe Gibbs, the quarter, uh, the head coach of the Redskins. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, Barry Gibbs. Um, from, uh, they did the uh, Staying Alive theme. Oh, I don't know. Staying Alive, Staying Alive. Ah, ah, I thought that was the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees, yeah. Oh, those were the Gibbs brothers? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They were the Bees and the, or no, the G's, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Fishhead, thanks very much. That was, that was a good email in. Uh, we do have a couple more, but they'll wait for comments. Okay. So, Yeah. Pete, Facebook Find of the Week. Facebook Find of the Week uh, is going to go to listener Bob for his announcement to me that um, Daniel Craig has signed on for two more Bond movies. So Daniel Craig is oh. not done being okay. Bond. And I'm, Even though he's throwing a fit in the press right now. 
Oh, I don't know. Okay. I yeah, he aware. made some comment about how Bond films stifle him creatively. Uh, I bet when he cashes the check, he's just fine with it. <laughs> You know, well, maybe, the, maybe it's just a comment that he's saying, not a complaint. Uh, the, the the article that I was reading said, yeah, you know, those Bond films, they are really, really damaging uh, Craig's creative cachet. Because if it weren't for the Bond films, he could be out making Cowboys and Aliens 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good burn. That's a really good burn. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so... Yeah, congratulations, listener Bob. Thanks for the announcement. Uh, Fishhead, you did a great job posting stuff, but I've been so busy I haven't really watched any of them, except for the uh, the the Cylon uh, robot thing with the um, face uh, from an episode of The A-Team. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. I did happen to see that one. I think that's the only Facebook post I saw this week. Um, okay, so let's do Ambassador Brainy Smurf. Okay. And he says, uh, ah, yes. Hello. Welcome back, everybody. This is super fun so far, and I enjoy asking Joey questions and laughing at his answers. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I have to say, I really enjoyed last week when you answered those questions because I knew what was going on, and so it was like, yes, awesome. Yeah, Curtis mentioned Pizza jerk. <laughs> the, th- the things he's doing to you on that podcast right now are reprehensible. <laughs> Quiet, Curtis. Um, anyway, he continues. Um, I think we will feature the five questions for Joey at the end. So I think we will call this new segment Joey's Final Five. <laughs> you know, since it occurs at the end of the podcast and there are five questions. Okay. All right. So I was super intrigued by the short list provided by the Overlords last week, ranking some of the most inspiring speeches, speech moments. So I threw together Brainy's top six okay. comprised of moments you dudes forgot to include. Which thank you because both of us felt like we didn't really give that yeah. one a, a good yeah. try. Um, Although I felt like we came up with some good ones, yeah, we did. There are certainly there's, there's always room for lots more. more. Yeah, lots more. Uh, honorable mention goes to whatever Lyle Lovett said in real life to get Julia Roberts to marry him back in the 90s. That must have been unfathomably convincing. <laughs> yeah, you nailed that one on the head. Um, okay, number six. John Goodman. The eulogy for Steve Buscemi's character in The Big Lebowski. Never seen it. I didn't see it either, but I know that it's it's one of those iconic movies that okay. everybody's like, oh, yeah, The Big Lebowski. Yeah, Isn't that cool. a Coen Brothers one? Might be. Um, Picard, the vigilant speech from The Drumhead. That is a good one. I, I actually considered that one. Oh. It didn't break into my top five. Okay. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't pick any Star Trek Next Generation stuff. Oh, well. You're just not really a fan of Star Trek is what that tells us. Yes, you're right. This podcast's over. Yeah. Let's start up a Star Wars podcast. Wait, we'll have to call this West Five now. <laughs> uh, Battle West Five. Yeah, there you go. I still like Trek West Five Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't share that with the, the listeners. Oh, that's right. I said that off the air, didn't yeah. I? That's what I'm calling my uh, my files that when I type up my notes. They're my Trek West Five Galactica notes. Yeah. 
Uh, number four, a certain character from BSG and a to be named uh, a TBA later for a moment later in the series. <laughs> Hint, his name rhymes with Futurama. Adama? Adama, yeah, probably. But which one? Commander Adama? Oh, oh yeah, we don't know. Zach. Zach Adama. Um, the zombie. Number three, Al Pacino. The Inches speech from Any Given Sunday. Now, I never saw it. You know, I thought about that one. I just don't believe him as being involved in football. Here, here, here's actually why. Because I actually had it as my five, and then I thought, man, that movie's pretty filthy. I don't know if I want to admit having seen that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. They, they, In my opinion, it was gratuitous. Okay. Number two, Bill Murray convincing Aykroyd to quit his job to become a buster of ghosts oh, at okay. the beginning of Ghostbusters. Okay. Number one, Jon Snow, as recounted by George R. R. Martin mm. in the Ice and Fire books, the sacred oath that one swears as he takes the black, joining the Eternal Order of the Night's Watch, of which Jon becomes the 998th Lord Commander. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that. So I think he's saying the... The TV show. The, yeah, the HBO show. Um, no, he's saying... I think he's saying the book. Oh, okay. I think. Otherwise, he would say the character. Yeah. The the actor's name. Okay. Okay. Um. Oh, I think he's continuing. Why is this oath so cool? Well, dudes and dudettes... Just listen as Pete offers his amazing podcasting abilities <laughs> for this week's Nook of Darkness. Well, yeah, you can tell I did not read this ahead of time. Um, we highlight Pete's pre predilection for emphatic oration in this dramatic recitation from the Homestar Army <laughs> to the Brain Nation and sponsoring affiliations. Much to my elation, here is Martin's original creation. For your utmost inspiration. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Oh, good. <laughs> Night gathers. Now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. I shall wear no crowns and win no glory. I shall live and die at my post. I am the sword in the darkness. I'm the watcher on the walls. I'm the fire that burns against the cold, the light that brings the dawn, the horn that wakes the sleepers, the shield that guards the realms of men. I pledge my life and honor to the night's watch for this night and all the nights to come. George R. R. Martin. That's good um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Uh, then he has a very, very lengthy email for summary summary. Yeah. Cause he goes into mini series part two. So, okay. Yeah. Very good. Uh, ambassador brainy Smurf. You have done very well. Once, once again, you've earned your powers plenipotentiary. Yeah. Ooh. What, when did we get those? He's an ambassador. Okay. 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 Joey, uh, what about your culture corner? Uh, this week it's going to be the the movie Matilda, starring Mara Wilson, Danny DeVito, and Rhea Perlman. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you've watched this one. 
Um, is that based off of the the Roald Dahl, Dahl book? Yeah. Okay. I never read it. I I saw when it came out, and I just I never watched it because I never ever read that Roald okay. Dahl book. It, it's a fun one. We watched it with my kids this past weekend, and uh, you know, it, it's one that I'd say, as long as your kids are older than about six or seven years old, it should be good for them. It, there there are there is a part where it gets a little intense. The emotion they. You know, it's a scary, not like horror, but just kind of, you know, kid scary scene. There's a lot of tension and stuff like that. So I'm watching this with my, my children and my daughter is just shaking. She's so terrified at this one part. And I did what I like someone to do to me when I get that scared, which is to go, rawr, just gently grab her and, you know, give her a little rawr to try and help her remember, Hey, you know what? It's just a movie. Pull out, pull yourself out of the moment a little bit. Oh my gosh, did the tears flow. And I am the meanest jerk in the world. And yeah. daddy, how could you do that to that me? Sounds and about right. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was trying to do a nice thing and it backfired horribly. <laughs> but, uh, the, the premise is that you have a, a little girl whose family is full of reprobates and she teaches herself at a very young age how to read and discovers the, that the power of her mind Actually, can free her from from the destitute situation that she's in. Oh, spoiler um, alert, everyone! By the way, I'm just trying to be a jerk to you since you were a jerk to your daughter. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's not uh, really a spoiler alert. The book's been out forever, and so is the movie. Well, and I, I think I don't think I spoiled anything. I don't think I gave anything away. She knows how to read at a really young age. Yeah, that's like the first two minutes of the movie. <laughs> Seems like a big plot point, though. Take that away. What do you got? An you still have a pretty good movie. Oh. <laughs> totally different movie. Anyway, uh, very very interesting little cameo. Uh, Paul Rubens, isn't oh, okay. it? It's kind of funny. I was like, hey, oh, I haven't seen that guy in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, just a, a good family movie as long as your kids are, like I said, a little bit older because there's just that one kind of intense scene that might scare some of the younger kids. I give it a thumb up. Okay. All right. That's good of you to review, you know, kind of a family-ish kind of thing instead of all of the adult material you've been <laughs> pumping out lately. Moving on to episodes. We are going to cover episode uh, two series part two. With humanity on the brink of utter annihilation, Commander Adama and President Rosalind arrive at an uneasy balance of power. The Galactica has at least one mole on board. Dun dun dun! Ah, uh, I like this episode. It's good. To, mm. It's a good finisher. Mm. Joey's not convinced. I uh, I enjoyed most of the episode. <laughs> I was very very angry after the last ten or fifteen seconds. Okay, I can appreciate that. I totally get why you would be. I think everybody's reaction was basically the same. Um, but there were some really awesome moments. There was some great. There was some episode. great stuff. Yes, I agree. There, uh, tremendous stuff. Um, okay, so uh, we ended last week where you were kind of talking about how your version of the episode ended yeah, in the an DVD odd spot than where my version ended. So I watched some of the stuff this week that you watched last week, which was Starbuck landing. Um, uh, and you know, getting finding out about the all the people who died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we have you know the dead of war. You know, we yeah. start to see all the bodies kind of start to pile up. Uh, you know, from the, uh, the the fire that happened. 
minus the people that got blown out into space, which I'm assuming, eh, we're just going to leave them out there. <laughs> we're not going back to rescue them. They're, they're gone. Yeah. You know. Um, so we then, uh, cut to Boomer in, uh, in their ship, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, flying back and, you know, close quarters. There's a lot of people kind of crammed in a very small space and you hope that none of them had beans for lunch. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Now I guess that there's probably some sort of air scrubber that's, you know, going through and taking out the, the CO2 and, you know. Hopefully making O2 for yeah. them. Um, anyway, it, it's just the idea of being that closed in with someone, that's got to be you know kind of rough. Then we have Gaius's hallucination. <laughs> so number six comes back. Yes. And uh, at first it's sort of like, wait, what? Did, did I just see her here? No, wait, no. Oh, wait. No, she's... Now she's talking to me. <laughs> uh, Gaius is a very disturbed individual. Yes. Um, and uh, something not quite right about that young man. Um, anyway, so they, you know, at the, the end of last week, you know, we were talking about, oh, we're going we're gonna to make a, a faster than light jump. And so they start to gear up for this. Now, this is the first time we've ever seen this. Yep. And so... You know, it's it's kind of intense. We're building the tension, and everybody's nervous. And we get that uh, that one worker down uh, on the bay who's like, "Oh, I hate this, this, I hate this part. part." Yeah, that was awesome. Um, that is interesting. But I'll just also I'll, I'll give you one spoiler, Joey. They don't carry this through. Okay. Like after a while. All right, we're just jumping. Okay. It's not as dramatic. And, yeah, jumping does not become that dramatic. I'm glad they did it here in the miniseries to kind of, you know, we get a sense for what this maybe kind of does to everybody's bodies. We don't ever actually find out what it's doing or I don't know. But it maybe, seems awkward and uncomfortable and maybe yes. even painful. Um, and it's always fun to watch that zoom in but zoom out feature yes, that, that's that. happening yeah. on the, on a shot. Uh, anyway. It, everyone's a little nervous. It happens. They they jump through successfully, um, and it seems as though it has a physical effect yes. on everybody else. Which I I would assume you know probably has some sort of physical effect upon the ship as well. Okay, that that's my guess. Just like wearing tear on the... If there is some sort of sensation that's happening sure. with the body, and it's it must not be a sensation that's terrible, like life threatening. But there's still something there. I would imagine that there's something. Obviously, the ships would have been built in with some sort of reinforcement you know, to be able to handle. I don't know. It, it's, it's possible that it's it's only something that affects organic tissue. Oh, I, you know, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a good point. Good point. Um. Okay. So Colonial One, we find out, has survived, which. None of us were really that fooled by. You know, before we, I, th- I think before we get to that, don't we see Kara praying? After that. Okay. That's I my next hold my, point. I'll hold my comments in advance. Uh, so, Starbuck prays. <laughs> I thought this was very interesting. She she seems to be very religious. 
I mean, she has a, a, a strong, the actress at least, portrayed a strong faith in the Lords of Cobalt. Correct, yeah. And, and I think that this is the first time we actually see anyone pray to them. I At least I haven't noticed it if it happened before that. Yeah, this is one of the more dramatic ones for okay. sure. I don't know if it's the first or not either, but it's definitely one of the, you know, it sticks out in your mind. You know, she's a religious person. Or maybe she's not. Maybe this is just her way of coping with it, and you know, yeah, you the, know the the comment there. There are no no atheists, atheists in foxholes. In foxholes. It, I actually that that thought ran through my mind as I made the note, but I stuck with it because I feel like the actress played it as, "Look, I'm a religious person, and this is what I do." Okay, all right. Um, so we have the Ragnar Ammo Supply Station. <laughs> Why is this thing so decrepit? It's only been 40 years that they've been having a war. Okay. I can only assume that, number one, they don't have anybody stationed there. Okay. That and that makes sense. Yeah. Facility that is holding stuff. Because if you go, when you go there, it's sort of like, okay, this just is a storage facility for all of our, you know, to rearm should we need to. Right. And. If no one's been upkeeping it for 40 years, that would, you know, have a wear and tear effect. Plus, it's inside this the EMP cloud field. of stuff, which, you know, it seems to have fared just fine, but still there must be some sort of effect upon it, you know, with just being in space. Okay. If uh, I, I, in listening to, you know, my other podcast uh, that I like, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, Star Talk. They've had astronauts on there and talk about how, yeah, when you go up and look at the the space station um, or even some of the other things that have been up there, there is little micrometeorites that are flying around the stuff. I see. And okay. it, is, it is peppering this stuff all the time. And so there is definitely just being out in space. It's not empty. There is still stuff there. Sure, sure. But it's just such a uh, you know low quantity and so small in comparison. The, the thing that seemed the most unusual to me is it seemed like there was quite a lot of rust buildup for only sure, being yeah. forty yeah, years. On that big big door, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. That 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 it was mostly the condition of that door that seemed unusual. Yeah, well, inside as well. I mean, there it seemed like it was old. You know, just not, yeah. not been attended to for for a long time, which actually probably speaks to incredible engineering feat. To be able to have this station maybe Hold together. Not, not have anybody really man it that well mm, okay. and it's still put together. So, you know, kudos to them. Um, okay. So they go in, they open up the doors, and where did this guy come from? Yeah. Uh, who, who I'm going to start referring to because I don't think they ever give us his name. Uh, I'm going to refer to him as Arms Dealer Cylon. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll get a name later on okay. so that, to help you out there. I, I actually uh, I predicted that he was a Cylon fairly early on in the episode. Yeah, I, I think it. You're you shouldn't be surprised that right. he ends up being a Cylon just because it's sort of like, wait, where did you come from? Um, well, it was actually it was how easily he calmed down. When he's talking to Tyrrell and like he starts out pretty amped up and then all of a sudden he just kind of, he just like turns it down. And I was like, oh, he is, 
He's a Cylon who wants to worm his way into the into the crew. Okay. That that was my first first read off of him out of this scene right here. Okay. Okay. Um all right. So the guy he explains is like, "Oh yeah, I've got a ship on the other side of the station. I'm trying to steal stuff." So that that's where the guy comes from. That's who he, you know, that's what his story is. Gaius in the meantime, is named as the scientific <laughs> analyst. Yeah. So he's managed to, you know, get into a pretty good position now. And he's wormed himself into the top. And he's the one responsible for all of this. Yes. And the Cylon hot chick at this point suggests that she implanted a chip in his head. While he yes. was asleep. And that is why she can talk to him. So I just want to say, everyone, I was right. It is a Cylon mind virus. <laughs> well, that was going to be my question. Is there a chip inside Gaius's head? Yes. Or is he legitimately just hallucinating? Um, I'm going to go with the chip. You think it's a chip? I think it's a chip. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, but what's interesting is the fact that Number six wants Gaius to love her. Yeah. Matter of fact, she uses the phrase, after all, God is love. Yeah. Which, you know, we would recognize from, uh, from, uh, was it first or second John in the New Testament? It, no. Or Les Mis. <laughs> okay. Whichever <laughs> came first. Um, so it, it's, it's very interesting that she's drawn and tied to Gaius. Yeah. That's true. So much. Yeah. Now, an interesting thing happens here where she's kissing him and all of a sudden he shouts, no. And like everyone around him reacts. Yeah. And I thought, I would love to see that scene without her there because that means like he was just kind of trying to French kiss the air, which I think would look really, really, really funny. So the question becomes, was he doing that or was that again part of a hallucination where he's not actually kissing anything it's be, and the the reason i'm asking this is because we never actually see what's going on when he is you know interacting with her in a very physical way i disagree okay and it will happen in this episode okay, okay. obviously since i haven't seen any other ones yes um, Someone wasn't careful, and a bomb goes off. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there are idiots everywhere. I believe that. <laughs> but even an idiot is going to be super careful. With live ordnance? Yes. So I, I, I may have shared this quote with you already, but I heard a great quote last week from one of my coworkers. He said, think about how stupid the average person is. And then think about the fact that half the population is more stupid than that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Okay, so a bomb goes off while Adama is talking to that that guy. And they get... uh, I can't remember if they... He drug him through... Yeah, I think they drug him through... Adama grabs him and pulls him through the yes, door yeah. hatch, but the hatch in the meantime gets blown shut, yep. and then the metal gets mangled terribly to the point where 
can't you know the, the you can't use the door anymore. Yeah, and so he, Adama does an interesting thing here. He orders them not to try and cut him out. You know, just load the ship. I will find another way around. Right. Even though it's clear he should not be trusting this man, he trusts him on his word that yeah, there is some other way out of here. Okay. Said the Joker to the thief. Yes. Okay, so we jump back over to Colonial One, and they're you know. They're gathering all of these yeah. ships together, and we have this botanical ship, which they didn't really go into explaining much about what this ship did other than being a botanical ship. So it's a ship that flies around with trees in it. So here's my theory. I, I believe that Ronald Moore is going for um, – I can't remember what they're called right now. If you go read Peter F. Hanel- Hamilton's the Neut- Neutronium Alchemist novels – he goes into great detail about a, a potential botanical ship and he talks about the and the artwork on the cover of those books, which predate the Battlestar Galactica series by quite a bit, um, strongly correlates mm-hmm. with the artwork that we see here in this episode, which made me think, oh, they're making a reference to there to that that kind of ship. And I, I could I I can't I won't even try to do it justice. Sure. Awesome, awesome science fiction series. Very hard to read. It's, I mean, the thing I think I think all told, it's about eight thousand pages, um, but really, really wonderful concepts in there. And I think that's what they're going for. I think they're referencing that thing. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. Then they find a fuel refilling ship that's filled with tillium. Now, tillium is the substance that is needed. For faster than light jumps. Okay. So finding one I don't of think those I knew that. ships. If I if they said that in the episode, I missed it. I'm not sure if they made it abundantly okay. clear, but the their reaction to it was, oh wow, that's great. Well, I mean, it was clear it was. I mean, they call it a fueling ship, so it was uh-huh. clear it had something to do with fuel. But I thought it was like the general power source of the ship. So I thought it was a more fundamental. Propulsion system than than the fashion and light drive. It, it, yeah, you'll find out later, and I'm not destroying anything by telling you that because it's just it's just okay. a fact of that world that we live in. Tilium is needed for faster than light jumps. All right. So that it's it's important that we have a ship like that, and apparently important that we have a botanical ship. Um. Then we have the reporter is in the discussion with all of the bigwigs. So it it frustrated me at this point to say, okay, why did he get to be in that conversation? The PR guy? Yes. I mean, he yes, he was on the ship. He was on that ship. But still... We're told within the episode that he'd been on Galactica for a while. And I feel like it was implied that the crew of the Galactica has a degree of trust in this man. Yeah, but still, nonetheless, he's just a yeah. He's just, he just like, he's just a civilian, but he was probably an important civilian. Maybe okay, okay. That yeah, that so, could be a reason why. The, I don't know. The, this is this will be one of my uh, everyone get a good laugh in at Joey here because <laughs> Joey doesn't know what's coming. So here's my note. I told you that PR guy is going to become a problem. I predict he attempts a coup and or assassination of the president. <laughs> Turns out he's a Cylon. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, we'll find that out at the at the end there. But when they really really is the sound, like, oh well, so much for that theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're having the discussion about okay, we we need to transfer personnel off of the ships, which they had kind of already been doing. But they hadn't been doing it with any super sense of urgency, as far as I could tell. Okay. So they were already starting that process. But they're suddenly realizing, okay, we've been we've just been spotted here. What do we do about this? You know, we, more Cylons could come and destroy us. Right. What do we do? Do we continue transferring people? Or do we leave others behind? And... This, in my mind, is no different than the fire aboard Galactica. You do yep, what yep. is necessary to save, you know, the majority. The species. Yeah. <laughs> and so my next note after this is, the little girl explodes. Oh, they didn't show that. They showed her calmly fading into whiteness. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. But still, I wrote... The little girl explodes as though she was the cause of that ship going up, not the Cylon shooting missiles at it. You know, I, the note that I made here is that uh, the scene with Colonial One just having to ignore the radio calls while they prepare yeah. for Fast and Light Jump. It, it's so emotionally intense. I mean, they are they are tightening you down like a screw. Yes, they are just they are wrapping the the viewer up, and, and then. Boom, here come the Cylons and this wall of missiles. Yes. And the ships start blip, 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 boom, blip, 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 boom. <laughs> Crazy stuff. I was absolutely fascinated by that scene. I mean, you, you so have, horrifying. You have to feel for the people who are listening to that. So my question is, do you turn off the radio or do you honor them by hearing By their, hearing it all the way their, down? Their cries that, you know, are... are hurting you to the soul because you can't help them but you have to save yourself yeah i think i think you continue to listen to it i think you would listen to i think that's the the noble thing to do a part of me maybe this is evidence of me being a terrible person but a part of me just turns off the radio Mm, okay i guess maybe from the extent of yeah, I don't want to, you know, accidentally give them our location that well, we're going to. I thought to. that was weird, the whole idea that, first yeah. of all, the the concept that, oh, we can't tell them because, you know, the Cylons are so well known for taking prisoners. I mean, right. <laughs> as far as we've seen so far, they just blow everything up. Yes. <laughs> and, and then second of all, they had to at some point have transmitted the location coordinates over the air. Because how did all the FTL ships know where to go to? That is not a bad point, Joey. Good, yeah, yeah. That that's good. and so and so Way when they when that. the guy's like, please at least just tell us where you're going. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> well, how how does he not already know? I, I suppose they could have just you know they have a different frequency for faster than light channel for you know okay you this ship I'm contacting you directly. Here's where we're going. Oh, okay. So, so it wasn't like everyone who can travel faster than light switch to channel 11 while I give out the super (laughs) secret location. (laughs) No, 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 no. You don't choose the channel. You're not a faster than light ship. (laughs) Oh, I want to listen into it. No, 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 no. That's not our ship. (laughs) Um, okay. So the little girl explodes. Now, the next thing I have is a quote that the Cylon is talking to 
Commander Adama. Okay. And he says, what if God decided to give a soul to a Cylon? Again, bringing in a very heavy religious theme. Yeah. You know, what if the humans hadn't, you know, deserved a soul anymore, and so God decided to give, essentially endow a machine with a soul? Well, I already said, I think that they do have souls, and that's how they persist memories across bodies. Hmm. Uh, we did skip over the fact that the president's aide knew she had cancer. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't mean much um, to me. Uh and and then him telling her, "Hey, that little girl you were talking to, she's gonna die." Okay, that right there, I. Why would you point that out? You already know that your superior is under an immense amount of stress. Hey, I know. Let's heap emotional stress on yep. it even more. So it doesn't help the situation. So here's my answer on why. He's a Cylon. Ooh, interesting. So when we get to the end another, here, another prediction here. When we get to the end here, I I'm keeping track of who the 12 models are. Okay. And I'm going to give you my there are 3 or 4 four that we know for sure, right? Okay. And so I have I think at least 3 other that I am predicting turn out to be silent. Okay. Are we going to get to hear the rest of them in this yes. episode? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah we'll talk so about he's it. He's the first, right? He's he's the first, yes. He's the first. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um by the way, when the arms dealer talks about being a monotheist, I mean, he, he, he says, you know, God instead of gods or the Lords of Cobol or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, at that point, I locked in. Okay, he's definitely a Cylon because everyone knows in science fiction, each culture is only allowed one religious belief. <laughs> I don't know why that uh, is, but in television science fiction, that's kind of the rule. Everyone all believe the same thing. Right. We're all following the Lords of Cobol. Yeah. None of us are monotheists. We're all polytheists. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, good point. Um, okay. So who's the little kid tagging along with Boomer? I I missed something here. She, that, that is, remember when they were on the planet and they're like, at least take our children. Yeah, but why why did she connect to that kid? Because he sat up front next to her. That was that was the only thing. Okay, as I thought, as I thought I maybe tell. I missed something there that. And they they talked and he was like, you know, oh my, okay, my yes, are, you know, we're blown up, and she's like. Yeah, my parents died when when they were really young. Okay, well. you're right. So I guess that's probably it. Oh my gosh, that just makes it even worse. She remembers <laughs> having parents. I didn't even think about that. <sighs> what are you talking I'm, about? I'm even she's more angry now. Boomer, of course, Boomer would have parents. She's human, right? <laughs> At least for another half hour. <laughs> uh, okay, so we. We we now come to the big uh, uh, start of the wait, debate. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Go so, on. What? Uh, you see Boomer and Tyrell reunite. And then you see, is her name Dwala? Am I saying that right? Uh-huh. Um, kiss the president's aide. Out of nowhere, it seems like. So So here's my theory. Cylons... Well, I'm going to say this, although now I'm starting to think better of it. Cylons only fall in love with other Cylons. Although apparently number, number six loves Gaius Baltar. So that's not exactly true. But I think the Cylons are drawn to each other here. So I'm predict my, my next predictions are that yeah, Dwala and Tyrell are both Cylons. Dwala and Tyrell? So Tyrell. Chief Tyrell. And Chief you kind of thought he might be in, in last week's episode. Yeah. But then you were like, no... 
because and I don't remember what you read. Well, but was. He, here's here's what we know from this week's episode that we didn't know last time was that you can be a Cylon and not even know it. Right, which we find out at the end. Well, okay, somewhere in here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, sorry. We find out. Okay. Let's just say we yeah. find out. Um, okay, so so now that I know that they could be a Cylon and not know it, so my my there's my there's my four that I think are Cylons that no one knows about yet. It's Boomer, Tyrrell, Tyrrell or Tyrrell, Tyrrell. Again, I see it written and I remember how it's written <laughs> and I don't remember how to pronounce it. Uh, Dwala and the President's aide. And they're drawn to each other because there's some there's some Cylon-y kind of connection going on underneath the covers, even though they're sleeper agents. Yeah, but we find agents. out about Boomer, so how can she be in your, your list? Well, I'm saying now that I know about Boomer... Oh, I see. Then that's what makes Tyrrell suspect for me. That's, that's what okay, the connection is. Okay, that's how you get that connection. Yes. Okay. Um, all right, all right. Well, good guesses. Yeah, keep them coming. Okay. Keep them coming. Um, I'm just going to point out, you have at least one of them wrong. Okay. That doesn't, however, mean that you have at least one of them right. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a jerk. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> okay, so we have the discussion, prepare for refugees or arm the ship. Um, which is what you know they they have yeah. there on Ragnar, which is hey we need to get ready for all of these people who are going to be showing up here. No, you keep getting the ship armed. That's our our main uh, business here. Um, oh, and I have the note here. Um, well, let's see here, making out in front of the kid. Yeah, Terrell and Boomer. Yeah, I have a little awkward, but I guess <laughs> if you know you're in the moment and you're a Cylon. Eh, you're a Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> but the poor kid like almost gets kicked when, uh, yeah, he, does. when he swings Boomer around. Uh, okay. Apollo gets named to the CAG. Yes. CAG, I'm... I Command Air Group. Yes. Uh, I. That's what I think it is. I don't remember, and I always forget it. They will tell us what it is if they didn't tell us in this episode. Okay. Um, well, I think, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name again. The XO. Ty? Ty. Just, Saul Ty. It should be T. It really should. I-G-H-T. Um, he calls him senior pilot. He says, you're the senior pilot now. Okay. So, I mean, that gives us a, an indication there. He's the senior pilot. He's He de- decides how the force is deployed and leads them out on the field or in the in the in the air. Yes. Well, makes, not makes air. His, in the lack of air. <laughs> he's going to be in charge of all of the pilots. Yeah. Uh okay. I okay. like Starbucks reaction to Apollo. The way I mean just the way that actress played that reaction. It, it's one of those things where um I think you and I have talked about this before that the one of the things I hate about the the kind of the more uplifting reality show TVs like Home Makeover or Restaurant Impossible and things like that is showing genuine gratitude and, and surprise and happiness physically is a very difficult thing to do. Like you, you, you want to go, you want them to know how happy you are. And so you go over the top and then it just feels awkward and weird. <laughs> 
even like in movies and TV, I usually find that kind of scene poorly done. I was I was like already cringing for the scene, like when he walks up and she's underneath the ship. I'm like, oh my gosh, I I, I wanted to fast forward to it because I just knew instinctively it was going to be so terrible. But she did it really, really well. I, she kind of underplayed it, which I think is the key for for me. I really enjoyed the portrayal there by that actress of the. I mean, you could see the relief wash over her. You could see that her world shifted for her at that moment. But without it just being kind of weird and clumsy. Now, for for Aaron listening, uh, Joey said portrayal, not betrayal. <laughs> just to uh, very help nice you, help you very out. Very nice callback. There, Aaron. Um, You're not going to explain that that's one. An inside joke. I don't know. We don't want to. Aaron's not the first person who have ever made this mistake, but uh, I, I think it was actually a joke. I think Aaron was it was truly making the joke here. Oh, okay, okay. A- Aaron called me up earlier tonight and he said, "Are you?" Did we honestly choose as our our head of the CIA a guy named General Betrayus? <laughs> and I tell him, no, no, it's a P, Patreus. Yep. But I really think that the, the fact that he went so far to call me over it oh, okay. indicates to me it was probably a joke. And if so, well done, Aaron. It was very clever. <laughs> um, okay, something uh, – since you brought up this scene, I, I think it's interesting to point out. Not only is she an accomplished pilot, you know, one of the best, which we'll come to find out, you know, uh, at yeah. the end of this episode, yeah. <laughs> insane. Um, she's a mechanic. You know that she that works for me. Understands how the ship is yes. works, so it's not just like they are nowadays. Where I don't think every pilot knows exactly how to start to tear apart their ship and put it back together, their their airplane or whatnot. I'm sure they do. Sure. They yeah. understand the concepts of it, but to actually be up there fiddling around with it and working on such an incredibly technical piece of machinery is is interesting. Very Here, interesting. Here's what I love about this. To me, I made the analogy to computers. There's a gap between the guys who come into work as computer programmers and just kind of punch the clock and the guys who actually know intimately how the machine works and how the programming language works and why certain things are better to do than others. There's a level of skill that you acquire in a lot of fields, I believe, that acquiring that level of skill requires knowing the thing at a very, very low level, being hands-on with right. the responsibility. So I, I, for me, it made perfect sense to say, you know what? The pilot that is the best pilot in the fleet knows her ship because she's probably got that thing tuned down exactly how she likes it. She's, she's very picky, I would imagine, about the settings in her, you know, Viper cockpit. You don't change the tilt in her chair. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean though? They're, they're just, I just, I see those two things as connected. The, the degree of, of skill at the thing. And the fundamental understanding of all the principles behind it. Right, right. Uh, okay, let's move on. Um, so Adama, he pieces it together, and here's how. Here, I mean, well, okay. So Adama had hints all along, yes. right? And he talks about how, yeah, you know, I didn't think you had allergies and such. But to me, the killer, the 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 real clincher. Where I was like, oh, Adama has to have figured out by now that this is a Cylon, is the fact that 
this guy who supposedly doesn't even know that there's a war on references a line from Adama's speech that was given as the war was starting. Sooner or later, our mistakes come back to haunt us or something along those lines. He actually references... So when Adama got up and he went sure. off script... His commencement, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, he delivered a line in there, and this guy parrots that exact same line back to really? him. Really? Oh, good catch. I did not know that. Which I was like, I was like, oh, that's so cool because it clearly means that that that, that that's actually where I wrote down. Okay, uh, let's see, where is it here? Because obviously, I didn't know yet that Boomer is a Cylon. Um, so I put the Cylons know about Adama's speech. So yes, Brainy, there is at least one Cylon on board Battlestar Galactica. Very cool. Okay. Um, that fight scene. Wow. Oh. That was. Brutal stuff, man. That that was like Tarantino style. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so not only is you know it a machine in flesh and blood form, but it's also incredibly strong. Yeah. So there's you know there has to be some other way that we can figure out who these things are, just you know because of that strength that he just lifts Adama up by his hand. That is not an easy thing to yeah. do. Good point. Um, and I, I was actually referring more to the bloodiness of it, though. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that next. The the blood spatter scene where they're fighting, and we just get enough of the light on Adama's face as he's finishing him off with, you know, having been beaten, but he also has the blood spatter on his face from yeah. the Cylon. Again, this is that, a dark, dark show. That is intense. This is this is this isn't happy fun time, boys <laughs> and girls. <laughs> no puppies or rainbows here. <laughs> this is definitely one of those scenes where I say, "Awesome television to be able to have put this together and executed it phenomenally." I, I honestly couldn't couldn't believe that they showed that on even though it's Sci Fi Network, which isn't broadcast, right? It's, so the, cable. the rules are a little looser. I just was surprised that they got away with showing that much oh, violence. I, I, I'm not that not, surprised. It's not necessarily the amount, spatter. not necessarily the amount of blood spatter, but the look on Adama's face and just the implied violence actually, I think, made it a little bit worse than if we had actually seen him beating the guy. The, the fact that you're watching the change in Adama as he's doing this—that's what made it so kind of shocking. And I was like, wow. I, they got away with that on the I, air? I think you're just a pacifist pansy. You can't handle it. <laughs> you're right. I, you know, I need, to, you I need to desensitize myself to violence more than I have to this point. <laughs> <laughs> Was that even possible? <laughs> Apparently, I'm a pansy. <laughs> okay. Um, so we see ba- uh, Baltar doing the, you know, he's, he's looking at the computer. And he's really trying to figure out what she did, right? What number six did. I got the impression that he was trying to find any reference to him and get it removed. Okay, I I, I also picked up on that. So I don't know which it is, and I wasn't watching it that closely when it happened. I I did pick up on that too, but I also got the sense that, okay, he really is trying to fix the problem here because now his life depends on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely in danger. Interesting technical error, continuity error in this shot. He's got a three-ring binder. Okay. In that three-ring binder, the pages 
are only cut octagonally on the outside edges. The the side where they meet the three rings, squared off edges. Oh, nice. Good eye. Good eye. Yeah, this is a terrible as TV series because of that. One <laughs> That's not what scene. I was saying. Oh, it's no. Oh, oh, okay. I mis I misunderstood what you were saying. The, the, this scene right here, there's there's a lot that goes on. In fact, I think that I could watch this scene with Baltar and, and his interactions with Gaeta. Am I saying that right? Yes, it it becomes Gaeta. They mispronounce it in this series like a few times, and it's like Mister Gaeta. Okay, and it's like yeah, if you know the guy, you're really not going to mispronounce his name. <laughs> it's like oh, you're Joey Smythe. <laughs> Yes. Jewy, Jewy Smythe. No, that's not, I mean, you know, I know who you are, so I'm not going to say that. I would say, I would pronounce it correctly. They fix it once they get into the episode. Okay. And it is or will become Gata when it's not right now. Okay. So, well, because uh, Adama does call him Gata. Because, again, I, the first time he talked to him, I swear I heard Gadar. <laughs> No, but in in several times it's Gaida. Okay. In the the but the anyway, series. so I think you could take that this section of this episode and watch it and talk about just it for a good half hour. Really? There are so many things that happen in this scene. I mean, you right. have. I mean, Baltar is such a complex individual, right? He's oh, fundamentally yeah. broken on so many levels. Oh, you yeah. have the hallucination. You have his interactions with Gaida. You have. The fact that he is – so this is the point where I say we actually do see externally what Baltar is doing when she's reaching down his pants. He's got his head thrown back and he's laying in the chair and he's moaning. As Gator comes up and he's like, uh, <clears throat> uh sir? <laughs> so clearly you know, Baltar really does react outwardly to whatever it is that the vision is that's going on in his head. Oh, it wasn't Gata. It was the PR guy. Oh, you're right. It was the PR guy. It was you're the right. PR guy. I, I apologize. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, same thing. Yes. Really. Um. So we have a comment. Yeah. So we have six. we have quite a few in here. That's what I'm saying. I think we could z- go into some of this stuff pretty deep. But go ahead. What's okay, the one? The, the one I came I wrote down was I think we have a real future together. Huh. Which I find disturbing because. You know, if there is a chip in the head, then okay, sure. That I mean, that's maybe they're transmitting her to show up in his head, and you know, she's being recorded on some other place and is reacting to him. Or if he genuinely is hallucinating, he's schizophrenic. He's sort of schizophrenic, and he's you know, he can't get away from himself. Uh, okay. If, if it's that personification. You know, uh, I, you know, by this, by that point in the episode in the series, I've bought in. It's a chip. There's a chip in his head. Okay. I, I, I'm sold. Okay. Um, but still, she, it, she says a disturbing. couple other things here that are kind of, kind of fascinating to think about. And yeah. I spent a lot of time. I paused this, this one scene. I think I paused four or five times to stop and think about what just happened. Okay. Uh, and the first one that I paused on was guilt is something small people feel when they run out of excuses for their behavior. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time talking about that line tonight, but it really did make me think because I don't. Right. In my mind, I see excuses, at least used in that regard. I I see that 
as a negative type of thing. Excuses are, oh, well, it's not my fault. Right. The garage door fell down or, you know, I, I don't know, stuff, sure, stuff sure. like that. It's like, you know, own up to yourself. Yeah. So it goes back to something that I've I've tried to apply in my career professionally as a programmer. Sometimes there's bugs in code, and sometimes those bugs do really bad things. I mean, there there are actually cases of software bugs killing people. Yeah, they rob uh, grocery stores. Um, they they commit uh, other types of crime. What? I was making fun of you. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were like making some kind of obscure reference to a science fiction series where space bugs came and robbed the store or something. I don't no, know. Um, not. But the look on your face, I enjoyed. <laughs> like what? No, like there, there's an example that they that they they use as a classic example of yeah, you should be careful about your code. Where a statistics mathematical statistics package that was just written by some guy and sold to all sorts of different companies ends up getting used in the late seventies. As part of the software that drives X-ray machines and results in thousands and thousands of people getting up to 100,000 times the amount of X-ray radi- radiation <laughs> as is safe, <laughs> causing cancer and tumors and just all sorts of horrible, horrible wow. things because this guy had a floating point error in this software package library that he was just selling as an independent kind of guy. And, and so that's why you know they you know we we use that kind of as a, a white whale kind of storyline in and, the software industry, and that's why we all have to wear lead sheets when we get <laughs> X-rays now. But uh, you know, so in, in the software industry, when you make a mistake that has those kind of far-reaching effects, the thing I have always tried to tell people as I train up people to be programmers is, in my opinion, when when things really hit the fan, when there is a, a colossal error like this, quit worrying about whose fault it is. Fix the problem. The first guy to try to lay blame on anyone other than himself should automatically be fired. Hmm. Uh, maybe that's a little bit harsh, but I'm, I'm trying to, you know, put the extreme case out there for people who are just coming up in the career of software programming to tell them, don't worry about whose fault it is because you know what? We're all probably a little culpable of this at some point in our careers, and many of us get away with that without, you know, ever getting it totally pinned on us. Don't worry about whose fault it is, because guess what? Knowing whose fault it is doesn't fix anything. The guy who did it knows it's his fault, <laughs> and will fix his behavior, or he'll change jobs. Um, but and so the the idea of saying, "Oh yeah, guilt and and excuses that these things are." Are not a negative. I would totally agree with you. That is a the wrong attitude to go with. Who cares whose fault it is? Who cares about excuses? Because excuses is another way of trying to blame someone else for your mistake, right? That, that's yeah. That's the way it, I like it, to define. Internalize it. the lesson, fix the problem, and move on. Right. right. Um, okay. The next thing, not having a conscience, guilt, or regret gives you a clarity of spirit. <laughs> Very bizarre idea to me. And, and so I went from having a degree of respect for Cylon number six or what I'm calling hot chick Cylon in my notes. <laughs> uh, I went from having a degree of respect for her to actually having almost no respect for her now because I was like, Oh wow, a robot that believes in God. That's great. Wait, 
a robot that believes in a God who thinks that not having a conscience or any sense of guilt or shame makes you a better being. Yeah, uh, n- number six is very a what we would call a natural man type of thing. Go with what feels good. Yeah. This, you know, enjoy life and uh, almost to the extent of being, um, uh, oh, what's the, the the Greeks who were... Are you thinking of the uh, the aesthetes? Yes, the ones who just enjoy sensory all the sensory perception yes. kind of stuff. Yeah, I can't remember what the Epicureans. Name. Yes, yes, probably them. Um, yeah, she seems very much yeah in that camp. That, that's that's a good point. Um, and then the, the last thing I want to bring up here, like I said, I could talk for a long time just about that scene, but I tried to limit my notes there just to say because there's so much going on in this episode um it would be really hard to have a conversation with someone while your hallucination slash silent mind virus is draped all over you and <laughs> blowing in your ears I'm like he's trying to have this conversation with this guy and he keeps looking over <laughs> he's like stop it <laughs> just I, I was just trying to put myself in his his shoes and i was like man that would have been hard to do you uh... I'll, I'll give you another, I'll throw you another bone here. That is not the last time we are going to see something like that. Okay. It's going to be awesome. Uh, uh, okay. So she tells him, she points out something to him that he has never seen before. So clearly she can see and hear through the Cylon mind virus what he sees and hears to some extent or another. Really? Or his schizophrenic side is through, through the Cylon and, mind virus, and, she is getting a broadcast back. <laughs> Could just as easily be. The I don't buy it. You're never going to convince me. <laughs> I bought into the Cylon mind virus chip. Okay. All right, all right. Um, anyway, she points out the Cylon fire detector. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like that name for it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's my theory on this. Right, I immediately thought, oh, I know what that thing is. It's a soul caster. It's how their souls get back to the new body after they die. <laughs> you could also call it a wireless repeater, repeater, but I prefer to call it a soul caster. Right. <laughs> so there is another Cylon on board as she kind of, you know. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on. One more. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, no. You're fine. One, one more out of that scene. I could never... Ever, under any circumstances, I don't care how hot she is, let a woman put her hands down my pants in a public place. <laughs> Even if I think she's just a hallucination, that stops now. I don't understand how he's okay with that. You know what? I am so lonely at this point in my life. I'd welcome it. Okay. <laughs> You'd go for that. Huh? I'd be like, you know what? Go to town. We, we really need to get you a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there is another Cylon on board, and she kind of helps point him in the direction of the PR guy. She's kind of, you know, indicating, you know, who's been here who's not a Hmm. part of the crew that has had full access to the ship. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again because I felt like he jumped to that conclusion before she said anything, and she was helping him reinforce the argument. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that scene again. And apparently, they have been together for six, uh, for two years now. Yeah. So it wasn't just a short period of time, like you know, a couple months, like a two-year time period. Yes. Uh, yeah. that, that, that they've been together. 
Um, so I then cut to Adama yep. hugging Lee, his son. Oh, okay. And uh, I cut to Adama and Ty wondering how to know who might be a Cylon. Okay. Um, so here's my suggestion. Bring all of the people onto the space station and just hang out here for about five hours. See who starts getting sick. Kill them. Sure. <laughs> but we have a perfect test right here. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, we don't know. It would be helpful if we could replicate this test. But they they just say there's something about this EMP cloud sure. field yeah. thing that just messes with their circuitry. You know, the the silicon based chips or what you know, whatever. It starts to deteriorate, yeah. It it but we don't get much more than that. I just think that they should stick around until they're pretty confident that everyone who's left on board because they they find out that there is a fleet of silence out there just waiting for them. Oh yeah. Look, we don't have to be in a hurry to go anywhere. Let's chill it here for a while and find out who's spies. But we are sitting ducks. And so that's the that's the trade off that they uh, I have to choose between is do we stay here or do we just okay you know we we've got to get out of here we've you know let's get ourselves to a, a safe I, place. I feel like they should have stayed okay okay um so they're saying you know hey we we need to find a way they're they're gonna get Gaius Baltar to, to help them do that <laughs> once again Gaius is in the perfect place for where he really needs to be. Um, that's interesting. What? How does guys keep ending up on top? Everything keeps coming up, guys. Yeah, it, it really does, though. I mean, I realize the joke you're going for there, and it is funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's true. And so, who's manipulating this? Someone is Ooh. manipulating events to make guys, everything keep coming up, guys. Or... Are they? I'm starting to think, and I like I hadn't put it all together, but when you said what you just said, I uh, something clicked in my brain, and I said, "Boy, somebody's manipulating events." Hmm. Okay. Um. So we come to find out that Starbuck is really kind of the one, yeah, to blame for Zach's death. Yeah, which has got to be tough for her because she was in love in love with him, and she passed him when she shouldn't have. And so that's got to be a pretty big burden to carry around, which in my mind kind of helps to explain some of the unbalanced nature of Starbucks. Okay, I can see your point there. Um, it doesn't explain everything. Certainly not. I mean, I, in general, I think she's a very flawed individual as well. Okay. Um, which, I mean, we're going to be dealing with tons and tons of flawed people. I, I, I really yeah. love how in certain scenes... I didn't really write this down as a note, but as we're talking about it here, I wanted to point out there are certain scenes in the, in these two episodes where I see a strong attempt by the actress portraying Starbuck to make a tie back to face. I mean, like the way she smokes the cigar and things like that. It just, you know, it really, it really gave me just kind of that, Oh, hey, hey, that's kind of cool. That's exactly how he would have done that. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I thought okay. that was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, in this scene, there's a, a powerful, powerful line that I really liked. I felt like 
until Adama's speech, I felt it was the highlight of the episode. When Lee asks Starbuck, why are you telling me this? Her response is, it's the end of the world, Lee. I thought I should confess my sins. <laughs> Good yeah. stuff. Oh, I yeah. really liked that scene. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because that is, uh, um, that it's a, a, it's a poignant moment. You know, she's, she really seems to have all, I don't know if accepted the, her fate is the right way to put it, but it's definitely out there. She hit the ground rolling more than anybody except for perhaps Commander Adama. Yeah. They were like the two most prepared individuals for this series of events. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we have her fly out and take a look and there is a massive fleet. (laughs) sitting out there two of the big big ships which are called oh i wrote it down but i can't find it now base stars yes yeah that's what the big ships are what do you think of the design of those i think it's awesome yeah i think it looks way cool but once again like i have mentioned before you know back on star trek the next generation (laughs) impractical impractical (laughs) impractical like galactica is way more practical yeah. Than uh, than the Cylon ships, but still the Cylon ships they look wicked. They look like barbed wire. Yeah, that's a good analogy. You know. Yeah. And it's just angular and it's awkward and it's fierce and it's you don't want to be around those things. So they did the good job of making them look scary and and tough. Yeah. Plus they have all of the little miniature ships kind of flying around all over. You know, the place. I would assume I have nothing to base this on. But I would assume that because they're computers, that there's actually a method, be- a, ma- a methodology behind why the design looks impractical. For example, maybe they're putting non-essential functions out in these parts of the ship that look impractical, so it becomes a target. Humans tend to shoot at it, but it doesn't matter if I lose that section. Maybe. Maybe. I want to believe that there's a reason for it. I, I don't think that I would buy that, though. Oh. Just because, I mean, if I'm in there, I'm like, well, let's fire at the thing that looks, you know, like it's holding everything together. You know, would you okay. shoot at someone's hair? No, you're going to shoot at their torso, probably. Maybe. Maybe. Um, okay, so we learn there's a massive Cylon fleet out there. Yep. Then we also learn that there's a prison ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's an intriguing idea. Before we get into that, I just wanted to add one other thing here. And I think you kind of mentioned it, but I hadn't got that far in my notes yet. Uh, Baltar actually fakes having invented a Cylon detector. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And Ty wants everyone tested. So I said, the fact that he can't actually test for anything, I'm certain is going to come back and haunt us at some point. Where he's going to say, yeah, I already checked that person. They're not a Cylon. (laughs) When they are a Cylon. And the fact that he can't tell the difference is going to be, I feel, an important plot point down the road. Okay. All right. Um, So my question to you, Pete, is do you treat the prisoners as citizens in this circumstance? Or do you say, you know what, guys? You made your bed. You were on your way to a prison ship anyway. You've kind of been cast out from society at this point. You don't get to participate. Uh, no comment. Hmm. Coward. I'll answer you later. Oh. All right. A later episode addresses this. <laughs> I don't know. No, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Christopher should okay. tell you I, that yes. I, I have a, I now have a theory that a later episode will address this question. <laughs> Genius theory, Joey. How did you figure that out? Um, okay, so now we have the question. The war is over versus... Fight or flight. It hasn't begun. And I, I think that I'm with Rosalind on this. Mm. Uh, I think when, you know, when I was watching it the first time, if I remember correctly, I think I was with her. You know, you can't just run out and just start fighting blindly because they've crippled you. And you would be, you know, just walking into a trap. Okay. Um, and when you put it like that, I agree with you. But what, what I, I really boiled this down to fight or flight. Okay. Do you run away? And, I mean, really turn tail and surrender and run away. Or do you fight? But, see, there's there's other ways to fight other than the Blitzkrieg blind mad rage of, of madness anger. Right. Uh, words kind of failed me there in the middle of that sentence. Words. Hard. <laughs> That's okay. I got where you're going. Um, so I think that a calculated retreat while you do some reconnaissance and, and some planning and things like that makes perfect sense. But, but I am not a flight person. Yeah, but it, it's it's the mindset here. Are you trying uh, with all of your might to cripple them? Or are you trying to get away and find a secure place? Um, and if you run into them, great, fine, we'll fight. But the real, what's the real goal here? And I think Ro- Laura Roslin has it right to, to say it's, Propagate time, the species. it's time to stop fighting here we just need to move on we lost i i'm not ready to give up this fight yet okay and and while i while i agree now is not necessarily the time to you know go out in a head-on attack against a a clearly superior force okay all that makes sense let's let's withdraw the field of battle recoup and and develop a plan of attack but we are not ready to surrender as a human as humanity yet well commander adama finally makes a decision and he says we got to start having babies and colonel ty says <laughs> is that an order is that an order well no he specifically says they'd better start having babies as he's looking at the two cylons kissing <laughs> <laughs> i love ty there with this is that an order and adama it may have to be before too much longer or something like that Maybe before too long. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Pete. What's the red line? When he says we're going to jump to the the prole sector or something like that, Ty says that's way beyond the red line. I'm guessing that must be the safe zone for um, faster than light jump. I was wondering if it was like the uh, the heliosphere, or not the heliosphere, but the outside the solar system, you know, the the gravitational pull of their particular star. Because we do find out in this episode that there are 12 planets, and this is a particular solar system. So that's, I think, where the 12 Lords of Cobalt comes from, is that they found a solar system with 12 habitable planets. They moved in, and they said, okay, each one's got its own god. This is just, again, I'm purely speculating off of sure. little tiny pieces sure. of information I've got here. Yeah. Um, and... and I, I think the red line, an interpretation I came up with is, okay, I think the red line is we're outside this solar system and we're now doing li- you know, inter-solar system travel, not just you know between planets, but literally between stars, real true interstellar travel. Okay. You know, 
I wish I had a uh, someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson here to ask. Is there a place out in the the vastness of space where if you got to and you stopped all motion, you know, you got yourself to absolutely not moving in any direction, you know, like momentum or or anything like okay. that. Would there be a force of gravity that would start to pull hmm. you in a certain direction? That is a great. You should or, send that into. To or Tyson. is there emptiness, uh, you know, all, all throughout there that you would just end up literally sitting so, there? I, I know that. I mean, there are places you can go where even if you manage to stop all inertia, that you would get pulled back in. The sure, question yeah, is: like the question would, is, is there a a gap? Out there somewhere that you're far enough away from all gravitational bodies, yes, that you're not going to get pulled a, a dead measurably. Zone, so to speak. Yeah, that that's a great question, Pete. Sometimes, you're a brilliant man. Sometimes I can be smart. <laughs> uh, okay, back to uh, the episode. So they leave the Cylon there uh, because Baltar is like, "Yeah, it's that guy. <laughs> he's the Cylon, and he's screaming, I'm a human. What are you doing?' and and I love Tyrrell's response, which was, or was it Ty? I can't remember. One of them. I think it was Tyrrell. He's like, yeah, we can't take that chance. Oh, no, you're right. It is Ty. It was it Ty. It was Ty. Yeah. Because that's more of a Ty thing yeah. to say. Like the way Tyrrell he said, like as he started to say it, I saw him in my mind with his gruff kind of. Like, yeah, well, we can't take that chance. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like all the different ships we get to see. So do I. I love the fact that there is so much ingenuity and we don't become this homogenous. I mean, that was kind of like the the one of the downers of Star Trek is like, yeah, all of the Starfleet ships kind of tend to look the same. <laughs> well, all of the – I would assume the Battle Stars probably look this, similar as well. But I'm well. saying with, with far fewer episodes, I think we've already seen as much ship variation as we saw in all of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, here's what, uh, this is another one of those areas that I just thought they knocked it out of the park with this, which is, okay, they've decided, okay, we're going to fly out the, you know, BSG is going to stand here. I'm going to, we're going to take all of the, the brunt of the, the fight. You guys will be able to get out far enough to jump away. Yep. So as they're flying through the cloud and making their way out, and you can see all of the ships kind of lined up and flying out. I thought that that was a phenomenal visual. Yeah. Uh, you know, the people who did all of the CGI stuff for that. You know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of CGI, obviously, in Babylon 5. It, it just wasn't working for me. But the CGI here, I don't think that they could have done as good a job with models as they did with the CGI here. It was it was amazing. And I love the fact that we see the ships, you know, turning and in three dimensional space. Yeah, and, yeah. it is yeah. so amazing to be able to see this. I it was breathtaking. I, to, I would to totally watch agree. That. And and then followed up by the huge space battle that's about to come up. I I really want to know what software they use to to render all of this stuff. I would love to know more details. Uh, again, I'm I. This is the hard part about not. Spoiling myself for the you know entertainment of our listeners is I can't go Google for this because I'm I'm afraid of what might come up. I might get oh here here's the list of the twelve models. <laughs> it was a video game StarCraft. That's what they used, Joey. There, I've answered it for you. Um, 
And, okay, so that battle scene is intense. Crazy yeah. awesome going all over the place. Um the why they were um what's her name? Starbuck and Apollo. Apollo were out there as long as they were. I thought was a little okay. over the top so, as far as an episode. Goes. I I don't I don't agree at all. Uh we saw that Apollo's ship was damaged. In fact, he's flying around for part of this battle with only two of his three engines working. And his ship is kind of flying kind of sideways yeah, as a probably, result. It's, it's, it's great. It's like, you're, you're like, okay, we know Starbuck is a great pilot, but now we get to see, yeah, Adama's not too shabby himself. Um, Starbuck, after just having had the reveal she did to Lee about Zack's death, I totally buy that Starbuck says, nope, I'm not leaving Apollo. Hmm. I, it's still, I, fine, don't leave Apollo. But why were you out there for so long when everybody else is coming in? So Apollo Apollo fighting? can't get back. She's 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 uh, she's okay, staying there with okay. him. Yeah, okay. Until Adama makes the call. And it's at this point that Pete, I have to say, you were wrong. Clearly this this saying between a Commander Adama and Starbuck has more meaning than it's just something people say to each other. It pulls her out of this fatalistic attitude. She's ready to die with Apollo, she's like, you know what? It's just going to be me and Apollo. We're going to die here, and I'm going to pay the price for my sins right now. Okay. And he calls her. He calls her up and says, "Starbuck, what do you hear? You- Nothing but the rain." As the as the pieces of the asteroid or whatever are raining down on her cabin, she looks up, almost like a woman out in the rain, and says, "Nothing but the rain." There's just this blissful smile on her face, and he says, "Then grab your gun." And bring in the cat. And that's what pulls her out of this downward spiral. I'm just saying, you you can continue to think that if you want, but there is no call and response to this. There's no special meaning to this. You're it's wrong. just a it's just a thing that these No, I'm I'm telling you right now <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe you. There, there's nothing to this. You want this to be something, but it is not. Okay. It's just a saying that they have. And yes, it's meaningful in this moment, especially when we literally hear the things hitting the top of her ship, and it does pull her out. It wakes her up because she needs to get, you know, vigorously shaken. It really, there's there's no meaning to this. Okay. Beyond just a thing that friends say to each other. Okay. It, it, I, I don't want you to continue <laughs> going on here thinking there's going to be this awesome reveal at uh, like there the fifth not. season, there is. So they just this, they, this they canceled the show before it could. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> this is as good as it's going to get for okay. you, right here. Curtis Curtis mentioned that he felt there was a moment in season three that kind of I I don't tied it. it. Okay, you don't. You have don't, to talk to him. I don't I, know. I don't. I don't buy it. All right. Curtis can tell me I'm wrong, and I would love for any other listeners out there to tell me I'm wrong. I would also love and that. Maybe <laughs> I'm remembering incorrectly. And there is some wondrous meaning to this. Okay. I don't think it's there. Okay. I don't. Um, okay. So she manages to capture his ship. Actually, before that, they're shooting a lot. Uh-huh. Presumably, is are these energy weapons? Yes. They're clearly pulsed energy weapons. Okay. Great. Because otherwise... There's no way in the world they can hold that much ammo yeah. in those little ships. Which means 
there are energy weapons in this yeah. world, in this reality. But there's also clearly ballistic weapons still. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, they jump away safely. Everybody gets out, and you know, even though they take a few hits, the the you know the ship Battlestar Galactica is still in pretty good working order. Um. So then we have the speech before the speech. Okay. Well, I think it, I think it's before the speech. Maybe it's during the speech. I don't know. At some point in here, uh, Edward James Olmos commits what I consider to be one of the great sins of the English language. We did not jump into unchartered space. We jumped into uncharted space. No one is out there chartering outer space. (laughs) (laughs) It drives me crazy when people get those backwards. That's true. No one has chartered it yet. The implication, the, the, the statement that... There have been other areas that were chartered. The it. statement that we are jumped into uncharted space implies that someone is chartering space. <laughs> right. I don't buy it. It's <laughs> dumb. It's a mistake. The actor made a mistake and the editor didn't catch it. He goofed a line. Yeah. Goofed a line. Supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly, it's uncharted space. <laughs> Well, I would have gone down to the library, but there was too much foliage <laughs> oh, you, on the ground. You know, my daughter has picked up library. I don't know where she got it from, but I'm like, stop. Stop it. The yeah. word is library. It's probably because she was afraid to go wash her hands because of oh, the wolf. Oh, oh, oh. All right. We need to move on. Are we done? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> You're pushing on that nerve a little too hard. <laughs> Uh, well, then, no, how can I? This is the first time I brought it up this this podcast. Okay, so he has the speech. So say we all. Yes. I like the speech. It is moving, and it is exactly what his people need. I found it a little melodramatic. Okay. For me, a little over the top, but okay. still well delivered. I, I certainly wouldn't put it in my, my five list if we would changed it to this week. I, w- I would not have included yeah, it here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. Uh, but I think a little bit of melodrama is actually what those people need to hear right now. Now, he says something. Yes, he lied. And I knew he lied right away. Yes. It yes. was clear that he was lying. Yeah. So there is a... 13th colony. A 13th colony. A myth about Earth. And I know where it's at. The We're top, go the top brass of the military have always known where it is. It's the secret we've kept. Right. My BS detector went. Nee, 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 yeah. nee. <laughs> but but that's battle, else, Battlestar Detector. Wanted Battlestar to detector. believe in this, except for Lara Roslin. Um, and so, I don't think she's the only one who didn't believe him. Maybe, but I, she's I, the only one who we see, you know, talk to anybody about it. I, I think Ty clearly implies that he knows. Yeah, maybe maybe that's true. Uh, So Starbuck and Ty, they... Oh, my gosh. What is wrong with that woman? I like this. I'm glad that, you know, not everything is wrapping up super nice and everybody's going to be buddy-buddy. Yes, okay. I like that there's going to be to? Does she have to be that way? No, I don't... I want to punch her. Yeah. I do. Yeah, she needs to accept the apology. Doesn't they don't have to be friends necessarily, but the guy went out of his way to make an apology he didn't have to make. Right. Right. As the superior officer, right. he doesn't have to do that. 
just accept the apology and let's move on. And we know that there will still be tensions down the road. You don't have to be the jerk here for this scene to work, I don't think. Congratulations. Welcome to Starbucks. <laughs> All right. Um, um, I, I love the conversation between Rosalind and Adama. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my favorite part about it is when she tells him, I'm glad you came back around. His response is, you were right. I was wrong. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> good, you know, good way to good way to defuse that. Who's been married once before? <laughs> um, I I enjoy. I wrote down the quote: "It's not enough to live; you have to live for something." I would agree. I I do as well. Uh, but uh, honestly, there you know there are times when it's sort of like you know what I don't want to live for anything right now. I just want to exist. I want everything else to go away from me. Everybody leave me alone. I don't have any, you know, demands upon my time. No one's expecting anything of me. And I can just exist. Hmm. That's but, interesting uh, because... There, I, I have to honestly say that. I, there, I know I know the times that you're talking about, but I have a very different reaction to them. I wish I could stop existing. That's where I sure. go in that moment. I, I think that's, I think that's very, very similar. Yeah. in its feeling. Well, what, and I and I agree. What I'm saying is, I just think it's interesting how our different perspectives deal with kind of that same emotional state in almost kind of like the opposite point of view. You want everyone else to go away. I want me to go away. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's, I, just, I, it's just an yeah, interesting. I can, I can, I can, I can go with that too. Yeah, I like that. So, the episode ends. No. <laughs> no. All right, well, uh, I guess. Why would smoking a cigar in a spaceship be allowed? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because it's cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. Because smoking is cool, kids. You heard it on Trek West 5. Shameful. Shameful behavior. If you fight a major uh, battle, I'll let you smoke wherever you want. I'll live with that. Um, Okay, so we do have this idea put forth about, I think it was number six who said, was it number six who talked about the sleeper Cylon agents? Oh, I don't know who. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 it was. Because here's my theory. Gaius is coming back from having left a note in Adama's bedroom saying that there are 12 models and he's coming back from that and when number six appears and speaks to him that's why he's so jumpy in that moment because he was just in commander Adama's quarters leaving a highly incriminating piece of evidence behind well if they've got a a chip in his head don't they already know he wrote that note no no no. i'm saying he left a note in commander Adama's quarters Getting caught with that note in his possession or having that note tied to him in any way makes his situation with the humans very tenuous. How do you know there's only 12? Explain to us how you know there's 12. Why do you seem to have so much information about the Cylons? Sure, but you know where else would it come from? No, it, no, no. I, well, it could have come from one of the Cylons. Uh, uh, yeah, but from Adama's perspective... There's a very small number of people now who know that there are human-shaped Cylons. It could have come from one of the Cylons from Adama's perspective. Yes, but why would the Cylons be telling Adama there's 12 models? 
that makes scare it him just makes no sense. <laughs> I I just don't buy that. It, it doesn't make any sense. I think, I think it makes he sense. knows that it's from Gaius. My question Interesting. is Interesting. I don't think he knows that at all. Uh, my question is why would he ever trust that? How could they possibly know? What's the yeah. evidence? Yeah. He should be asking uh how do we know that there are 12? Well, I I think even like the the implication that someone bothered to leave that note is disturbing in itself that you may not want to think through all of the ramifications of the note's meaning. The fact that the note exists is unsettling enough as a so, dama. But we do find out that there are potential sleeper agents. Yes. And the biggest reveal of all oh, is Boomer. Boomer. And not only is Boomer a Cylon, but apparently she's queen of the Cylons. <laughs> and the Boomer we know a- seems... Appears to not know. Seems to not know. Yeah. She may actually know. Maybe there's some sort of trigger that gets flipped and then, oh, oh come on, you know. Or maybe online. she's just faking it. Or, yes. Yeah, good point. Maybe she is just faking it. So, okay, so I think it's a great reveal. I was you so would, mad. I, I was furious. Uh, so you sent me a, an IM in all caps, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, <laughs> Boomer, and then uh, probably like, 10 or 15 minutes later, Curtis is up from his desk and he's like, Hey, did, did Joey, uh, have you been chatting with Joey at all? And I was like, yeah, he, ch- he was chatting with me. Somebody's like, yeah, he just sent me basically the same thing. <laughs> well, cause Curtis had, had just said to me over, I am earlier saying pizza jerk. The call and response thing does actually mean something. You'll find out in season three and then said, uh, by the way, I am. He said, I, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but something along the lines of, I'm finding it super entertaining that you don't know what's coming next. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I, I don't have any more notes. Should we do So here, here's my, here, before you do that, here's my, here's my list just to go over it one last time. The Cylons we know about with Joey's theories in, in, at the end. Uh, so we know about Hot Chick Cylon. Yep. Number six. We know PR Guy Cylon. Okay. We know Arms Dealer Cylon. Okay. We know Boomer. Yep. And then I am suspecting President Rosalind's aide. Okay. Dwala. Yeah. Which they call D. They're going to call her yeah. D because that's easier than Dwala. Uh, Tyrrell. Okay. And Gaida. 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 Okay. Interesting. There's my list. And Gaida, just so everyone knows, I went with Gaida because I thought, okay, who would be the most replaceable actor that's kind of in the command circle. So, you know, if, if you have to reveal him, you're going to burn the character. Who's the character we can walk away from the most easily? Gata. And so I, I thought there's probably at least one of them is going to be okay. on, on the command staff. That, that was, that's my speculation. I applaud you for, for really taking this to heart and doing this. <laughs> Faithfully. Oh, I'm, I'm about to chew my own arm off not knowing what's coming next, man. It is. Because I think I've mentioned before on the podcast, I don't watch regular TV without waiting for someone to post the summary online and read it before I go watch the episode. Um, yeah, I, I, I just I, – I, I appreciate, you know, what what you're doing here. Don't think that, you know, we're, we're not. Uh, let's do some uh, listener emails. Okay. Can we start with Aaron's? Oh, you want to do errands first? Yeah, I can okay, just get so out of the way before I forget about it. 
So Aaron sent this email in, and then he called wanted 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 to make sure I read it because he didn't feel that Pete would honestly portray the body of the email. So the subject so I line. I know what's coming, by the way. I have not read this email. The subject line is the usual BS. I assume he means Battlestar. <laughs> Here's, here's, here's Aaron's email. So I have now learned of Pete's campaign to make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> he sincerely invites me to join the podcast, but only when he knows I can't make it anyway. Oh. If I can make it, he has to make Joey go up early to deny me the ride. <laughs> <laughs> he will do it to you too, people. Revolt now and throw off the shackles of his podcasting tyranny. <laughs> i'll skip straight to the end i love the so say we all speech that adamant gives to the crowd you have to admit the man rolls natural 20s on his bluff and persuasion checks tv minus four wait hold on i think that may be a dash tv four (laughs) my bad I was like, what? A, a negative four? <laughs> uh, TV negative, TV four, sci-fi 8.65. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that, that's his revenge. That's why you don't get invited back, Aaron. <laughs> you give those ratings. Okay. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to listener M. Uh, he says, hey, guys, I'm out of town this week, so let's see what I remember about the last show from my hotel room. Your discussion about podcasting tips made me curious about your early episodes. I decided to download your entire catalog and will listen as time permits. Uh, I don't really notice a big difference yet. Good editing, perhaps? As you podcast more, you are able to just turn on the recorders and go. Eventually, you won't need to edit anymore. Hooray for laziness! (laughs) Um, Now, I... Reading this, I I actually have a memory of us like getting done with a podcast way back in the days when we were we were recording in my office, of us saying, "Did we just do that without having to stop?" I remember that too, because we had been going on, and every so often, like we'd hold up our hand to the other guy and be like, "Hey, I, I need a break for a second. I got to figure out where I'm at." Like, and then we didn't. And then I remember a podcast where I'm like. Hey, there are no edits. There were no edits here. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it doesn't always happen, and it's only happened a few times, really. But still. Yeah, it's fun when it does. Yeah, it makes you feel good. You know? <laughs> feels like you did something. Um, uh, let's see here. I was going to blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh, we have a new listener. Oh, okay. By the way, he emailed me. He's a, he's a good buddy of mine. Um, Sean. Uh, we'll come up with a nickname for him eventually, but, uh, he, uh, Listener he may, Sean. He, may, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> he may come on. He, he I've talked oh, okay. him into coming on the podcast. I was kind of telling you about him earlier. Um, he's a super funny guy. He's just, the man makes me laugh like nobody's business. He's just goofy, funny, and he's great to be around. So he's kind of watching this for the first time as well. So okay. he hasn't seen that many episodes. So it'll be a good, you know, you know, good take from his perspective. He lives here locally, so he would be able to come on and join us sometime. Great. So we're going to get that arranged. Uh, Sean, if you're listening uh, right now, we're going to get you on. 
Um, also, I think there is a way to get like your Google device has uh, the ability to download podcasts if you download a certain app, right? Weren't you telling yeah, me that? Any, any podcast reader, you point it at our, our feed URL and it should be published in each one of our blog posts that goes out. You point it at the feed URL and you will get in that podcast or in that application each individual recording that we made. Right. What Whatever is available through that yeah. feed. Right. Because Which is I, only I like think, 15 or something like that. Right. Which is a shame. We really need to repost all of yeah. the old stuff. The, the problem is that we're going to have to redo the whole thing and it's just it's kind of a pain. Okay. All right. Moving on uh, to back to listener M. He says, Pete needs to realize that no politician will be elected talking about specifics regarding spending cuts. There is a reason the social spending is referred to as the third rail. <laughs> um, that's why Romney didn't mention specifics, except for PBS. <laughs> Idiot. Um, Joey is basically right about the need to cut programs that really aren't needed anymore. The Department of Education is basically a corrupt bureaucracy Amen, brother. that doesn't really provide the benefit they promise. More money has been pumped into education for the past 30 years without a corresponding growth in achievement. We need to look at technology and other innovations that work to get people to learn more. Also, the government doesn't need to be supporting public broadcasting anymore. I like their donation model. I would be it would be interesting in more media companies if if more media companies no it starts out i would be interesting in more media companies oh interested moving, i guess moving away from advertising and towards a donor value for value model yes i don't want that i do no give me commercials any day um also it might be interesting to look into how the government got involved with funding pbs in the first place it could be that LBJ needed the public to support a war in the Asian <laughs> Sea and decided to set up a propaganda machine uh, to get the public on board. I, could, I couldn't almost read finish reading that paragraph there. That was, you are bizarre. <laughs> like, we love your emails, but... Um, anyhow, the feds are spending too much money. It's past time to begin unwinding all this money that they have in various sectors. About the episode. It's not a good thing to have a whole civilization networked together. Hence, all the Cylons had to do was get past one firewall and they can destroy everything. Recently, a journalist... Well, I don't know. One firewall? I bet there's probably at least a few. I mean, it took her two years hmm. to get in there. Okay. Recently, a journalist was hacked and lost control of all his machines and lost all his data. Galactica has a much better approach. Instead of connecting all systems together, it is better to have the various systems on separate networks. You don't want the food preparation equipment mixing with the waste extraction <laughs> systems. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that sentence coming. <laughs> Once again, I have not proofread this week's emails. <laughs> okay. 
That would not be a good thing. Well stated. You can still have local networks that do certain things, but they sure. don't have to talk to each other. In the real world, there is absolutely no reason for my refrigerator to be connected to the internet. But wouldn't it be great if it was? I can think of, like, a, there's no necessary necessity there. But I, I've always thought the the principle that they have out there of your t- your refrigerator being on the internet being useful because as you like the the idea is as you are removing items from the refrigerator it's connecting to your local grocery store and, and an restocking yeah or it's maybe creating a grocery list for you right that'd be interesting uh good application there um i agreed with president roslin's analysis after a devastating attack, the wise thing to do is step back and regroup, and you can come up with a plan of attack. Adama was foolish to try and launch an offensive right away. Get your resources together and find out what you have left. Anyways, I hope Joey's wife can get past the few disturbing images. The baby scene is pretty terrible now that you mention it. Yeah, and the blowing up little girl was not particularly <laughs> the great exploding either. exploding little girl. <laughs> um, enjoy the show. There are lots more emotional scenes later in the series that the women seem to like. Hmm. I like, uh, actually, there are going to be some scenes coming up in season one that your wife is absolutely not going to like. Okay, good Just to know. throwing that out there right. now. Um, I like Brainy's questions for Joey segment. <laughs> Until next week, dudes, listener M. Uh, thanks, Mark. That that was awesome. Good uh, good email. I, I'm glad that the theory that people like to see me humiliated publicly is paying <laughs> off for us so well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll get us I, more regular listeners. You know, I certainly get a kick out of it, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, okay, let's go into uh, Brainy Smurf then. Um, unless you don't have any other secret emails. Brainy. Okay. Uh, part two, like most pilots, they should have made it shorter. But when Ron Moore was drafting this miniseries, they were not sure that there was going to be a series. And this miniseries is better than most sci-fi pilots anyway. Would you agree? Yeah. Definitely better than Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. <laughs> um, and definitely better than what uh, Babylon 5's, you know you know, first move, uh, pilot was supposed to be like as well. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Mini series pilot. Okay. I mean, do you remember encounter? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Damn it. I'm done making comments and emails. <laughs> Just going to read them. Do you remember encounter at Farpoint? Yes. And Babby five with the little wooden puppet man. Genre pilots all Uh, are all pretty bad, except for maybe Lost. Anyways, I really retained uh, this episode as the establishing of character-duo relationships. We see the old man go toe-to-toe with the president for the first time. Hmm. I wonder if that will continue. I like how the flirting of Billy and Dee serves to finally convince the old man that the fleet (laughs) needs to start having babies. Adama has complete confidence in Wait, Saul. Can Cylons have babies? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> you so bad. <laughs> Adama has complete confidence in Saul. Another poignant moment is when Gaius surreptitiously recounts to Geta 
how the Cylons hacked his navigation program. Characters. Gaius. The best and worst parts of humanity. (laughs) All wrapped up in this dude. Yeah. I hope that Head 6 is going to help him not be such a jerk. Maybe Gaeta will help him too. Uh, Lieutenant Gaeta. He is super essential to the Galactica. Plotting the longest jump ever through uh, his interaction with Gaius, we see that genuine sympathy is part of the foundation to this awesomely rich character who gets very little screen time. Duala, another big player in the CIC. Also the hottest chick uh, of the series. Bam! The astral... What? Also a Cylon. <laughs> also a Cylon. <laughs> the Astral Queen. Okay. Oh, wait! All the hot chicks are Cylons, aren't they? <laughs> it makes sense now! Well, I don't know. They, they leave us with Starbuck and President Rosalind. <laughs> Laura Rosalind isn't a Cylon. <laughs> you need to get out more, my friend. We really need to get you a girlfriend. <laughs> Honestly, though, you remember uh, Dances with Wolves? Yeah. She plays... Stands with a fist? Yes. Mm. I thought she was super attractive in that. I didn't ever think she was super attractive, but I thought she did a good job. Okay, I guess with all of the other (laughs) women in that, you know... She was the most attractive one? Yes. You racist. (laughs) Well, they didn't show many of the Indian women that much. It was mainly her. She was the predominant one. All right, moving on. The Astral Queen. Okay, it's more of a ship than a character. Oh, oh okay. All but right. I am intrigued by the idea of a prison ship. Well, it's not a prison ship. It was a freighter, right? No, that's the prison ship. No, no, no. They said it's a freighter and it has prisoners in one of its cargo holds. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Apollo. Lee is quickly discovering a new sense of self-awareness as he acts as a bridge between the president and the colonel. Interestingly, he does not seem to agree or fit in with either side of the conflict. The only time he ever lets his guard down is around Starbuck, but it does appear that he and his paw are on the mend. Yeah. I like that Adama is kind of the ultimate pragmatist. He he didn't take sides in the argument. He just said, look, there's... There's a compromise available here. Let's let's drive towards that. Yeah. Hilo. Poor feller is stuck on radiated Caprica. Ron Moore says that he was going to just scrap this character, but the fans totally dug Hilo. So he decided to write him a little side story. I wonder if it will become significant. We d- we didn't see this. Okay, thanks. Yet. I'm like I'm, I'm like I don't he's remember giving, seeing Hilo again. He's giving again. you more than what I would have given you. I see. Okay. Okay. Cylon roll call. Two, five, six, eight. Uh, oh, really? Okay, so we know who six is. Two, five, six, eight. So he's two. Tell us, would you? Oh, would you oh, like sorry. to just read them? No, no, I, I want to work it out my on my own. <laughs> well, this podcast is going to take a downturn for a while, everyone. <laughs> uh, Boomer is two, and that's why they all defer to her. No. Well, oh, fine. All right, read it. <laughs> <laughs> Leoben Conroy, uh, 
Kanoi. Kanoi. I don't know. Leoban, number two. The most spiritual of the Cylons. Although his transcendentalism can be tiresome, he appears to have an affinity... Oh, this is the arms dealer Cylon. ...for soul-searching and philosophical pontificating. Okay. Although his belief is strong, his faith only seems to cover a fraction of the big picture. He also seems to share a wardrobe with Wash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I noticed that. It's a good point. Aaron Dorrell, number five. So this is PR guy, Cylon? He seems to take on the role of Cylon administrations and civic maintenance. During hmm. my first watch... I totally didn't think he was a Cylon when the colonel left him at Ragnar, increasing the mystery rating. Number six, the first to appear. She seems to be in some sort of management position with the Cylons. She's head, also a religious fanatic. Head six. This is the name that the writers gave to the chick that only Gaius can see. I think she is more interested in helping rather than destroying the humans. So she's a different character? Why do they have a different name for her? I'm so confused all of a sudden. The Boomer Bot. Number eight. <laughs> a wild card Cylon. Do Cylons employ sleeper agents? Well, I just hope this robo-broad does not mess with poor Hilo back on Caprica. Overall, this episode bored me. Oh, wow. With the exception of the battle drums and the creepy monotone bell riff, I super hated the dumb music. However, next week will mark the entrance of Bear McCreary. Yay! Yeah, and we're going to get to hear what I consider iconic intro music Okay, for it. I, I love it. It's like, uh, it's almost Pavlovian to me. Huh, when I hear that sound, I just, I love it. Love it. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I liked Leoban's soul questions, and I liked the old man's speech. But with a slow-moving, sleep-inducing middle, this episode was kind of like a Twinkie. Especially since I remember the beginning, and I think I finished it, but after it was over, I was like, was there a middle? Where'd it go? And what happened to the episode? Did I eat it? Sci-Fi 7, TV 5, Mystery 6. Wow. Joey's Final 5. Okay. Number 1. But they're not really final. We have... They're their final questions at the end. But we, I, we still have other questions. Yeah. You and I are supposed to talk about. All right, fine. Joey's fine. final All right. five. All right. Specifically from Ambassador Brainy Smurf. <laughs> Is that better? Yes. All right. I'm, I'm satisfied now. As long as you say it exactly like that every time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's sure to happen. Number one. What is the deal with head six? Again, this is the one that only Gaius can see. I, I'm... I'm... I don't know if he's asking again, is this the chip in the head or is this a hallucination? Uh, that's how I'm interpreting the question. I'm I'm not as confident as I was earlier because the fact that the writers have a different name for the character in the script makes me think that she's got different motivations and she has to be 
played a little bit differently than Cylon 6. So uh, I'm going to hold for now with the Cylon Mind Virus via computer chip. But I am, my faith is shaken <laughs> in my answer. Okay. Number two. Would you have given up your seat for Gaius? No. Wait. <laughs> am I Hilo? <laughs> well, Hilo's the one that gave it up for okay. Gaius. If I'm Hilo, yes. What if you were Joey? No. Even with the gunshot wound? No. And knowing that that other person is a certified genius. I think One of I'm... the potential saviors of our future society. I think I'm more valuable to the human race than Gaius Baltar. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and get that on the record. <laughs> okay, all right. Do Cylons have souls, or were they programmed to think they have souls? I believe they... Well, oh, oh were they programmed to think they... Um, so they have a consciousness, which is broadcast through the Cylon okay, fire detector. Let, let me help you. Let's Let's define this a little bit more. As you and I understand a soul, okay, a body and some sort of spirit come together and make what we would consider. I a, believe a that human. they do have a soul. So you but think God, only the twelve models, the, the 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 chrome toaster ones, do not have souls. Okay, so God didn't think they were worthy enough to have souls. Um, he intervened to create ones for them that would have souls. Okay. Uh, number four. Would Polly and Monotheus see one another as a fundamental threat? Yes. Why? Well, I should say monotheists will see polytheists as a fundamental threat for the obvious reason that they believe there is only one correct definition of God okay. and anything less than that is a moral and spiritual threat to everyone else around them and to themselves. Um, because monotheists will react in this way on, on the whole. Uh, well, at least they seem to have in our history. Right, yeah. And, and so because of that, I think that polytheists would tend to see a monotheist as a threat. Because they know that's, historically speaking, been a pretty bad thing for humanity. Okay. Um, so we, what do you think is going to happen? I'm, I'm adjusting this last question, by the way. Okay. Because he's kind of tipped his hand on in a couple of things here. And you know I'd pick up on it. <laughs> uh, I think if you haven't already, I, I think given enough time, you, you will pick up on, on what uh, um, Ambassador Brainy Smurf said in his email. What do you think is going to happen to Boomerbot? To Boomer. What and... Do what do you think is going to happen to Hilo? What do I think is going to happen to Boomer? He he tipped his hand. We're going to see Hilo again. Right, right, what right, do you, right. What do you think is going to happen to Hilo? Well, but see, the thing is, he's stuck on Caprica. And the implication is pretty heavy here that humanity's never coming back to Caprica. Hmm. Interesting. That's I, I got that out of these episodes. Maybe I'm completely interpreting things incorrectly, but that's that's where I'm at mentally right now. Um, so I'm gonna say that Hilo. Okay, 
Here's what I'm going with. <laughs> You're enjoying this. <laughs> a little bit. Um, number six met someone in the first part of the miniseries on the planet of Caprica. Asked them, um, you know, I thought you'd never get here or something along those lines. Okay. I'm going to say that was a boomer hmm. model. Interesting. And you think he's going to meet her? I think he's going to meet her. And we'll see some kind of resolution there between those two characters as Boomer tells Hilo and therefore the audience why the Cylons Hmm. came back after 40 years. Okay. Okay. What do you think is... I pulled all of that out of thin air, by the way. Okay. What do you think uh, is going to happen to Boomerbot? I think she's going to get discovered. I think they're all going to get discovered. Um, my only question is right now, I got counting characters. I'm like, okay, clearly they all, not all 12 models have been shown to us yet. Or else pretty much every major character is a Cylon, <laughs> which would really piss me off. <laughs> like, oh, great. There are no humans. Haven't been for a long time. <laughs> well, remember, this is just the mini series. Yeah. And they were hoping that they were going to get a full series. Well, all I'm so saying all, is... I'm, I'm helping you out in okay. that regard. All, all I'm saying is uh, we have quite a few models of silence that I don't think we've seen yet. Okay. Um, I think over the course of the show, we will probably... I think they're going to make it a mystery. They'll, they'll have They'll play with us, probably. Oh, is this, <laughs> is this person a Cylon? Is that person a Cylon? Um What's yeah, so funny you're, you're about not, that? You're not. Oh, wrong okay. There. All right. That's, yes. Um, ultimately, what's going to happen with Boomer is they're going to find out that she is a Cylon, and since he asked, I'm going to assume that that is a significant event in the series. So I'm going to go with they use her to track down and finally defeat the rest of the Cylons. Maybe they they hijack the wireless connection that she uses to get back to her other bodies and they track it down hmm. and they're able to find the planet where all the Cylon clone bodies live and kill them all. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I'm just making crap up here. Okay. Uh, it, you know, if I could read the questions beforehand, I'd have more time to think uh, about this and I wouldn't have to come up with wild theories on the fly. <laughs> that's more enjoyable. All right. Uh, he finishes See you Dudes next week, and thank you for all your hard podcasting work, Ambassador Brainy Smurf. Uh, Ambassador, thank you for all of your hard work on the email because you you do a good job yeah. with it. You 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 do it every week, and it's awesome. We we appreciate that. And thank, in fact, thank to all thank to you to all the listeners who write in, and well, the people who are just listening. Thank all of them and not writing in. I'm still grateful that the Bobs are out there and that Sai is out there. I was Julia to is out there. Oh, I see. <laughs> Could do with a little less Aaron. Duly noted. But all the other ones are great. Du- Money bags. Du- the du- gink. Duella noted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we haven't heard from the gink in a while. No, no, we haven't. You used to play fr- uh, Words with Friends with him. Yeah. Huh. I haven't played Words with Friends for a while. Yeah. Ever since you beat me, you, you crushed my Words with Friends ego. Did I? Yeah. You beat me by like 60 points, and I haven't played anybody since then. <laughs> I've never beat you. Yeah. No. Yeah. How? I looked, like, I went to play Words with Friends the other day. In fact, I'll be honest, I have just this week started playing again. But when I went to play it, 
at the beginning of this because, you know, I haven't played Words with Friends for a while. I can't remember why I stopped playing. And I pulled it up, and there it is, sitting at the top of my history. Peter Nash beat you by 60 points. And I'm like, wow, oh, I do not remember that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going, wait, I got beat by Pete? Yeah, that <laughs> Maybe happen. I suck at this game. <laughs> yeah, that really shouldn't happen. Okay, well, whatever. I'm better than you are. True. Uh, Pete, so our top five list for this week okay. is top five reboots or remakes, film te- or television. Um, I, I will just go ahead and preface on my list, because there were so many, I actually found several lists of 50 or more movies that are remakes. Yeah. It's a rampant problem in Hollywood, or I don't know if it's a problem, but it's a rampant occurrence. Um, so to kind of narrow the list down for myself... I strictly limited myself to ones where I've seen both versions of the movie and I actually liked the remake better than the original. But that wasn't part of the original definition of the question. Okay. So I think I went in that general realm as well. And I would agree with you. I think it is a problem in Hollywood because it's sort of like, hey, you know what? Uh, I bet we can make some money off of this again. Yeah. I'm waiting, for, I'm I'm waiting gonna... for the Somewhere in Time remake. What's that? I'm waiting for a Somewhere in Time remake. Uh, I don't know that movie oh, okay. right. very well. But I could do with a lot less Spider-Man movies. <laughs> I, could I didn't even think about that. Any yeah. of them, personally. Um, okay, so my first one, um, I'm not sure that you're going to let me count this. Okay. Because it hasn't actually come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> you already know what it is? Yes. The Hobbit. Yes. Uh, I'm sure that one is going to be better at the top of my list. Uh, but if that doesn't count, then number six, I'm going to go with The Italian Job. And, okay. Uh, because that one is, uh, The Italian yep. Job is is definitely, it's a great movie. Um, the original was, I think, a black and white. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember, what, did the original have Donald Sutherland in it? I don't know. I, I've uh, never okay. seen the original, but I've seen clips of it. Okay. Uh, I haven't ever seen the original as well, but I knew that it was a remake. And I really liked the okay. remake. I thought it was great. Number four is A Roman Holiday. So you you know that film, right? I, I know the Audrey Hepburn version of it. Yes. So they did a made-for-TV movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but the production on it was actually pretty good. This was back in the, I want to say, either late 80s or early 90s hmm. that they had. Do you uh, remember who played the character? I don't. Okay. But it's yeah, we'd be able to find it in IMDb, yeah, I'm sure. I'll have to go look that up. Because I really, that's actually one of my favorite Audrey I Hepburn like movies. the movie version better. Okay. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's just, it's a classic kind sure. of a, a film. So, you know, it just seems really good. But the TV movie version, it wasn't terrible. It really wasn't. I just, you, when you compare the two of them, I think the movie version is better. Okay. Uh, number three is along the same lines, Sabrina. But I'm going to say that you like the, the remake better. was better. And My we, wife would join you, yeah. Yeah, we, we rehashed yeah. that all, all, already, so no need to go over it again. Or we hashed that out. No need to rehash it. Number two, Batman Begins. I probably shouldn't be as surprised as I'm feeling because now that I'm thinking about it, I knew this about you. But yeah. I'm still horrified. Well, and, and I mean, 
disappointed in I you. I don't hate the original <laughs> Batman movie that okay. came out. I thought Michael Keaton was awesome yeah. as Batman. It's and it had job. that very dark feel to it. I really enjoyed it. The The Joker character that uh, um, uh, Nicholson? Nicholson played, that's iconic. Yeah. It really is. There's nothing bad about it. Okay. I just like Batman Begins so much more. It was a great reboot. It's newer. It's more up to date. It's grittier in some other areas. It's less comic book-y. Um, it, it feels more realistic okay. to that's, me. That's, that's why I choose I, it. I actually consider the Batman Begins probably the second worst Batman movie ever made. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. We, that's not surprising. And number one is Ocean's Eleven. Really? Oh, without a doubt. Mm. Ocean's Eleven is a fun it is. movie. It's great, well-written, well-acted all around through the whole thing. You can't at any point say, yeah, they, that guy phoned it in I, I assume you're referring to the, we hear all of those comments are directed at the modern version. The modern one, because the original is a huge pile of stinky poo. Oh, I like the original. No, it's terrible. It's one of my it's favorite dull. Rat Pack movies. It's slow. It is huh. not worth watching, in my opinion. Okay. I think the Rat Pack made a movie that they could make money at because they're <laughs> the Rat Pack. I don't think that they oh, you know what? did a good job. No, you're right. I agree with you in this one. Sorry, I was thinking of Robin and the Seven Hoods when I was... Defending it, Robin and the Seven Hoods is actually a decent movie. Decent I don't Rat Pack know movie. that movie. Um, yeah, you're right. Ocean's Eleven, the Rat Pack version, was not that great. Yeah, yeah, it, it really, really wasn't. Uh, so the, those are my top five remakes. I'd love to hear other ones that other people yeah. uh, have because I'm sure we're you know probably missing out on some. I you know didn't mention others like the Superman. One, because I haven't seen the new Superman. Okay. Um, plus, there's another one coming out, Man of Steel, so maybe that's going to yeah, be Yeah, the new Superman, awesome. the one the one in between Christopher Reeve and Zack Snyder movie, was terrible. Do not watch it. It's horrid. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can ask around. I don't think you'll find a single person who likes it. Okay. All right. What about you, Joey? Uh, okay. So I, I, I obviously have to give most honorable mention to The Hobbit. They could do... Everything wrong, and it would still rock over any previous version of The Hobbit. Like, they could make it so that Frodo becomes an invincible godlike being and kills Aragorn, and it will still be a better movie. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Oh, no continuity between the two. <laughs> Like everyone's like, oh yeah, Peter Jackson, he really cares about the Lord of the Rings story, and then he would go and do something like that, and be like, no, I felt it really needed a boost in this area. The story was just slow. That would be kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to the Magnificent Seven. I, okay. I only make it an honorable mention because I don't think it's better than the Seven Samurai. I actually like Kurosawa's film better, but it is it, it's. It's so close. I mean, it is so close. They're both great, great movies, and I love both of them very much. Uh, my number five, I'm going to go with Freaky Friday. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Uh, I think I believe the woman's name is Jamie Lee Curtis. 
Is that the right person? Yeah. Is uh, that an actress? Lindsay Lohan, I believe. Yeah. Um, lo- uh, I loved the Jamie Lee Curtis version, the, the, the newer version. I thought it was, it was one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. So it was Freaky Friday and the computer wore tennis shoes and, uh, the Sword and the Stone were probably my three favorite movies from six to 12 years old, somewhere mm. in there. Mm. Um, loved the original and the, the remake came out and I was really worried about it. Went and watched it and loved it. Thought it was a great time. Really, really enjoyed that movie. Uh, my number four is the remake of 310 to Yuma. Great Western, uh, the, the newer version. They just kind of turned everything up to 11. So as, as they say, um, very faithful to the sense of the first one, but the actors are just a little bit better. The, the action scenes are a little yeah, more got, intense. Uh, what, Russell Crowe yes. and, um, oh, what's his name? Batman. Um, yeah, what is his name? It's not Christopher Nolan because <laughs> that's the director. <laughs> I can't ever remember his name. Bale. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, number three, and my wife would burn me at the stake if she ever heard this, True Grit. Mm. I actually like the new one better. My wife's a diehard John Wayne fan and would be horrified to discover this. I had to come out of the movie and go, yeah, it was okay. And while I'm saying, I'm going, yes, that was awesome. (laughs) Uh, Jeff Bridges, right? Did I get the right Jeff? Okay, I always get Jeff Bridges and Jeff Daniels mixed up. Uh, Jeff Bridges was brilliant as Rooster Cogburn. I, I I bet, though I didn't see it, but I bet John Wayne would have enjoyed it. I bet he would have liked I think the, so. the portrayal. Yeah, I think so. I just, I loved the heck out of that movie. I think the Coen brothers knocked it out of the park, as they tend to do. I, I definitely thought that it was Bridges. It, it seemed like he became that character yes. more than I've seen him in other movies I haven't seen. Okay. <laughs> well, cause um, I haven't seen the movie, but I saw tons of trailers. Gotcha. And, you know, little pieces of it here and there. And it's sort of like, golly, that I don't see Jeff Bridges there. Yeah. And it's not just the big, massive beard and everything. I see a a different character, a yeah. different person. Yeah, he, he really did a great job. Yeah. And so did the little girl whose name I can't remember, but... She she also did a good job. Even Matt Damon, I think, kind of turned in a pretty good performance there. Um, number two, Father of the Bride. I prefer <laughs> the Steve Martin version. Okay, I think it's funnier. Uh, I think it's you know I, I it's definitely more along my sense of humor, and I just love Steve Martin. The guy it's is hilarious. It's a classic. Um, number one. Now I I mentioned to you before the podcast, I had to stop myself because I said it's kind of a rant. And you're not going to want to hear it twice. My number one is 12 Monkeys. This is one of my, I, when I first started dating my wife and she said, <laughs> I want to see what you would consider the most romantic movies. Let's go get in what you think is the most romantic movie of all time. And I got 12 Monkeys. Now you're laughing. You're laughing. Everyone is laughing at you, Joey. <laughs> but it is such a romantic oh story. Yeah. The guy came across time to find her. I how mean, did you ever get married? How? <laughs> My wife is a saint. That's how. <laughs> I love you, dear. Um, but no, this I think this is a, a, a beautiful love story. And the way it unwinds and unravels, I just, I love it. Brad Pitt's character, 
brilliantly done. I mean, that, that, like you said about Jeff Bridges, this doesn't look like Brad Pitt playing yet another Brad Pitt, too handsome to be real kind of character. Right. He is off the wall crazy. He's yeah. absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, but just. He did, uh, he did, uh, what's that other movie? Fight Club. He yeah. played a nut, nutty, nut, 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 so. Yeah. Uh, Again, it, just, it works on so many levels. It's great science fiction. It, it's a wonderful romantic love story. Uh-huh. The thing is, the so I loved it so much that I went and I saw the original French film that it's made off of. And I think I personally think that that movie is terrible. Like I get that the the Colonel is the same across both of them, but probably the biggest issue I have is that the the French film so much of it is told through direct narration. Mm. rather than events and letting us watch characters react to the events and picking up what is narrated instead of having it be narrated, pick up the, the story from watching people interact with each other. So much more interesting to do it that way. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Do you think it would have been better if they had as the narrator, Morgan Freeman? No. Dang it. He makes things better. Well, it would have been better than the movie it was, but it wouldn't have been better than 12 Monkeys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that, that's my list. Uh, I, you know, I would say age appropriate. Yeah, you're, you're, watch you're, any you're, of those movies. Your, your five list. Wait, age appropriate? Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean, don't take your kids to go see True Grit, your like five year old kid to see True Grit or 12 Monkeys. Yeah. I was going to say, you're going to let Beth. Watch 12 Monkeys if Not, she was freaking out. No, yeah, no, no. That's, that's what I'm saying. Age appropriate. Watch the movies. If they are appropriate for your age, you know, follow the, the, the rating system. Use some judgment of your own. But I would, I would personally say that you will come away enriched by any of the movies in that list. Okay. All right. Okay, Pete, your science fiction rating for the episode. Uh, science fiction, I am going to say. I'm going to give this a nine. Hmm. Uh, it's still way up there. Uh, we have more Cylons introduced to us. We have Cylons who have trouble being in this uh, this Ragnar cloud. Um, we have the, the big star battle, which is insanely intense and awesome. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with nine. I actually give it a ten. I Wow. I couldn't find from a science fiction aspect anything I did not like about this. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm I'm you know being too harsh and too critical about it, but I, I, you're I, holding I, I you're holding that point in I, reserve. Yeah, I'm cho- I chose a nine, and that that's just what it is. Okay, and I'm not trying to reserve anything because it, it, it's good. It's good, you know. Then you it it, it deserves the award. Okay, television. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it at seven uh, as I did last week. Uh, I know one of the the listeners said that it was like so slow and boring. It was Brainy who said that. I don't see it being boring and slow. I see it uh, intense. I love when we see the camera angles of Adama, um, but uh, yeah, I I can see why there are some areas that, mm. that people could get lost in. So eh, only a seven. Uh, I give it a nine on television. How do so, you go from four to nine? Because the first one was such a downer. 
This one, they actually got away. They leapt out of the the system, and there's now hope for humanity. So th- okay. there's that. Uh, here's okay. a couple other reasons why I went to a nine. Uh, you have heart wrenching drama throughout the episode as people are losing their loved ones and and finding out about just how bad things are, and they have to leave the non faster than light ships behind to just be destroyed. I mean, over and over again, your heartstrings are pulled and twisted every which way by okay. by the writings writing team here uh you have a huge reveal boomer's a cylon oh my <laughs> gosh as, as mad as it made me it certainly made me want to watch more because oh, i want that's good i want them to redeem that decision because i loved the character of boomer and to have her turn out to be a quote-unquote bad guy made me go okay i've got to finish this series now because i want to know how they're going to turn it around so that the Cylons don't necessarily seem like such bad people, even after what they've done. That's how much I bought into the character of Boomer, is I now want all Cylons redeemed so that Boomer doesn't turn out to be a bad character. I'm not going to tell you whether she's redeemed or not, but Boomer is one of my favorite characters. Okay. Um, you have the stirring speech from Adama. That great, great television right there. You have, as much as it's not my cup of tea necessarily... Kinky imaginary sex on the bridge uh, <laughs> on the bridge uh, in public. In fact, you have that a, makes great television. Well, there are people for whom that will be a draw. Uh, um, you have the the awesome action sequence, the the, the big space battle. Uh, you have the uh, faster than light travel and and the camera tricks that they play there to give us a sense of disorientation and stuff like that. You also have a non gross love story. Uh, the two pairs of Cylons falling in love with each other. <laughs> you know, here's a, a, a ding against it. The the star battles, they were too dark. I, I get that that's okay. probably realistic, but I couldn't make out on the screen where things were going and, and what was happening. It was just flashes, glimpses of stuff happening, and then it's like, oh, uh, okay, well, I guess they're destroyed now. I wonder how much of that is a result of the video compression that Netflix was using to ship it to your TV. Uh, that's possible. That's because possible. it looked fine on my television, and you have a much better television than I do. Sure, sure. But I was watching it off a of DVD, and so I, I suspect that maybe there's some quality compression issues. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right to point that out. Anyway, th- this thing, it just it works on so many levels. Even though I end up... Super irritated with the writers for doing this. It it really is very, very strong television. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of The Homestar Me Presents Trek West 5. We hope that you've learned something, had some laughs, and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. Or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5, or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And thanks for listening.